Never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman here at the helm with fellow investigator researcher, my son Joe Hagman. Together we are the Hagman and the Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where it's a balmy 65 degrees, if you can believe that. Imagine that. Folks, we broadcast live every weeknight, Monday through Friday. That is 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on our flagship network, the Global Star Radio Network. So proud to be a part of that team. We're also simulcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network as well. And you can watch us live and by archive on our YouTube channel. Just go to uh, just go to our YouTube channel. Just go to uh, HagmanHagman.com. Click on the YouTube or just click on click on the page. It should be click on the uh, play button. It should be right there, right on top, every single night. And of course, we dig deep into topics that the mass media doesn't, won't, they refuse to do. And I just want to wish everyone um, that's listening a very you know thank you for listening. And uh, I, I'm looking. I we, we've got uh, listeners from all over the world tuned in right now, all over Europe and uh, all over America, Canada. I just want to say welcome and hello and thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, a couple of things before we get started. Um, just want to say thank you very much uh, to the people who have uh, who have uh, actually ordered Stained by Blood on uh, on via Amazon. And uh, I'm just excited to tell you right now. Um, and these stats change hourly, so you know it's it's kind of a neat thing. But uh, right now, on the top uh, top 100. In the, in the true crime slash, um, uh, murder category. That's in the top 100. I think it came in at number 13. What a number, right? So, but just to say this, uh, thank you so much for, for, for ordering. And I think you're going to find the book an, an amazing, an amazing story only because, um, you know, my investigation took place back in 1987. And uh, as you go through the book, 
And uh, you'll see the connection to Russ Bizdar, for example. Not, I mean, not to him directly, but what he talks about. And, and you know, somebody asked me the other day, well, why should Christians even order a book like this? And um, the reason, the reason, there's, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it does address um, it, it addresses the the satanic ritual abuse. Think of the Franklin cover up. Think of the Franklin scandal. And think of not knowing anything about that. Okay, and then all of a sudden, bam! You know, um, so so if you've got friends or family members who think, oh, there's stuff out there going on, but they really don't 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 understand that this is kind of a, almost a good introduction to these things that we hear about but don't see about. Yeah, yeah, we can do that here in just a sec. The second thing is, uh, you know, thank you so much for uh, your prayers for Katie Whalen. And, um, boy, it was a great show uh, with her yesterday. My goodness, Katie's testimony, what a, what a fabulous show that was. Yeah, very uplifting. Yeah, indeed it was. And tonight we have a great program for you planned here. Shortly we're going to be joined by Pastor Billy Crown. And uh, go ahead. Getalifemedia.com. Uh, it's Get a Life Ministries Incorporated, but getalifemedia.com is the website. Uh, Pastor Billy Crone is a friend uh, of the program. He's been a, a guest on several times. And he was at the Year the Watchman Conference with us in Dallas. And he gave a great presentation. Uh, I think his presentation, I only got to catch part of it because we were doing some behind-the-scenes interviews and whatnot, but Attack of the Drones, Skynet is coming. Now, he has all these videos, the documentaries that he has shot, on his website for free. Actually, before the show started, I was watching um, the UFO series that he's done. Uh, He also has an RFID series, as well as uh, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. And he has more spiritual and and biblical teachings, such as the character of God and the intimacy of God, uh, parts one uh, through nine on his website. That's getalifemedia.com. Yeah, you could spend days here. Uh, But uh, he's got great audio and and visual content. And he is a pastor of a church in Las Vegas, uh, which also streams live on Sunday at 1045 a.m. and Wednesday at 630 p.m. Yeah. And uh, I would urge anybody to take a look at his his church service uh, online, or go there if you're in the area. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic show. We're going to be talking about the Islamic invasion of Europe and America, and the potential for an Islamic new world order, as the church today is grown apostate. Um, we see the prosperity teaching. Uh, we see the uh, separate Jesus that is preached by mega pastors. And all throughout this apostate of Christianity, we see the rise of Islam. And uh, Christians are being, not only are they unprepared for this rise of Islam, they are going to be like uh, sheep led to the slaughter once the takeover begins. We're going to talk about that tonight. But let's talk about your book first while we have some time. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm so excited again. It's available on Amazon and... uh yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about this for a number of reasons. One, because, uh, you know, it's your book, and then it also involves the story of our family, my my family, in which uh, a lot of the details, you know, I know some of the details, and, and folks, I, I've read part of the book. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but um, a lot of what has been going on, or a lot of what you wrote about in the book is uh, unfamiliar to me. 
so it was your uncle would be my great uncle was murdered in 1982. Yeah, and and here's the story, real simply. And, and this is I don't want this to be an infomercial for my book, but because but but I, I do want Christians, especially listeners of this program, to understand why this is important. Um, it was my uncle, my dad's father, not my mother's, but my dad's or yeah, my dad's father, my dad's brother. And um, what happened was this. And you can, by the way, folks, you can read the first couple of chapters on Amazon. I think first two chapters on Amazon, and you could kind of get a taste for it. It does not get into the real meat of it, but it sets the stage for it. So it was my my father's brother. My mom died when I was a uh, you know I think it was I think it was eighteen nineteen, and um, I, I grew yeah. up in a house. You know, Joe, and I, you were there. You don't remember this. I've got you know pictures of you when you were a baby, but. Uh, um, Really, from the, the time I was three years old until I left at eighteen or seventeen, actually, when I moved out, um, after I graduated, and you know, I had so many happy memories at that house, and and it was my family home. That's where I grew up. Think middle class suburbia it, uh, in the seventies. You know, the Hillsdale, or, or yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and I do remember. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you'll see some. You've got some pictures, you know, and there are some pictures of you as a child or you know, young man there. And, but I mean, so think, think suburbia in the 1970s, where in 60s, where we we didn't lock our doors, and and we had an outside screened-in patio. My dad built, I mean, by hand, and you know, we kept a small little TV out there and a small refrigerator, and you know, I mean, it, by no means was it upper scale. It was just. It was just in a nice area. So my mom passed away, and uh, that's a story in and of itself. She passed away in uh, when I was about, I think, 19. I actually actually had uh, stopped by on a Saturday morning to, to take her to breakfast <laughs> and to apologize for the fight I had with her the previous Thursday. And uh, when I when she didn't answer the door, I used my key to get in, and, and I yelled for her, and I found her dead in bed. And after I moved out, my my folks took my bedroom, and you know, you know how the empty nest things go, right? So anyway, so that was my bedroom where she passed away, and then um, about four years later, or three years, three years later, uh, my uncle, my father's brother, moved in with him to, uh, uh, you know, he was he was a confirmed bachelor. By that I mean he was a homosexual, but the family didn't know that. And I had my suspicions, but I was not that close to him. All right, so anyway, uh, it's incredible because my, my father worked third shift. He worked first shift, and, you know, those thought it was opposite shifts. But anyway, so my dad loved the company and was very grateful for the company. And just to set the stage for this, and again, this is all important information. Most of it's in the book, but I'll give you some little tidbits here that, that aren't. And uh, so I, I drove to... Uh, or. One day in April, and this is uh, 1982, uh, I got a phone call from my father saying, hey, uh, something happened here at your house, my house, his house, that is. So this is before, you know, pre-cell phones, pre-anything. So I just happened to be home, and my dad had returned from his third shift job, and, and I walked in, he walked into the house, and he had found my uncle. 
in the very same bedroom that my mom passed away in, in, in the very same bedroom that I'd grown up in, and collected so many nice memories from. And I didn't, I didn't know exactly what was going on. My, my dad was not, I mean, he was coherent, but it, it, I just, it didn't register. So I, I sped up to the house and walked in, and what I saw was just, uh, it just struck me. It, sense, you know, my senses were assaulted. Um, it was one of the most hideous crime scenes. You, you know, right now, the big thing, <clears throat> the big thing is talking about the crime scene, talking about, uh, talking about the, um, <laughs> talking about the O.J. Simpson crime scene, right? Yeah, and you have shows like CSI, uh, crime scene investigations, where they go yeah. through, uh, obviously it's TV, it's not real life investigations, how police handle uh, investigative well, back then, Scenarios. back then there was no CSI. Right. I mean, it was you know nineteen. You got, you got to figure nineteen eighty two. Uh, DNA was just coming up, coming in. I mean, it was there was yeah fingerprints, of course, but no certainly no DNA and stuff. But when I walked into that house, you know, my dad met me at the door, and the look of horror on his face is just incredible. So I, when I walked into the, the bedroom, and I had spent, I had spent a number of years, previous five years, in the um, EMS field, and I'd seen decapitations on on car accidents. I had seen, and, I mean, believe me, it, pretty much all the gore that you would ever want to see, especially being a young man. But when I walked in to this to the bedroom, it was. It was a scene of carnage like I've never seen before. It was yeah, a butcher of my that. uncle. And again, folks, think of it, think of it this way. You know, you're growing up in your house and you have all these memories, beautiful memories, and then, but you see this, this scene of, of carnage, devastation, and, and virtual disembowelment. My, my uncle was stabbed well over three dozen times and, and post-mortem and pre-mortem and, and perimortem. There were defensive wounds, and I looked at, uh, you know, I looked at his body, and I just, I was, I was just, wow. So, and then I beat the police in the rescue by a minute or two or three, I don't know, and they brushed by me, and and uh, so that kind of sets the stage for what happened. That's the. That so this matter. occurred in 1982, right? And when right. did you start your investigation on this? It, well, you know what, and this is a funny part, um, and you can read this in the book too, or read this on on the uh, on Amazon. After the police and fire, in fact, the the, the respondents, the, the the fire and rescue who who came, I, I'd known the guy. In fact, I'd worked worked with a guy. Um, he was. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we worked together. But anyway, um, this happened in 1982, April 1982. And I and I remember being in the house, and I remember walking past the bathroom. And something caught my eye, and I thought, you know, okay, something doesn't look right there. And I, and I walked, this is during my initial, I mean, this is on the day of the murder, in the morning of the murder, minutes after my father found my uncle. And, the, and I looked, and I said, oh, my word. I mean, there's blood all over the shower. I mean, think about that for a second. Well, and this, what really got my attention <clears throat> was stained in blood, memorializing blood, was a bloody palm print on the shower. And, and it didn't register right away, but the killer had to take a shower afterwards, after killing my uncle. All right, and again... Folks, this is before I knew anything about things like Russ Dizdar talks about, things like Steve Quayle talks about. I didn't know anything. All right, so 
<laughs> during my inspection, two of the body, because I lifted the, the blanket up and to look at them, and there were some things I was doing, and you know, not tampering with a crime scene, but doing things I should know better not to do, you know. Well, what happened was, I got some blood on my arm, and of course, when the detectives came to the police camp, into the back end of the back seat of the squad car, they put me and my father, and, and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you know, what's this about? You remember the story Pastor Langford told in Montana? His dad was living on a trailer on his property, had a stroke, and fell and hit his head on the corner of a table. Yes. And because yes. the, the blood and the, the, it looked like there was some kind of violence that was committed, how he was detained. Yeah, and, and he, he told me that in private, show uh, well, he one said, time. Yeah, too. he said that on the, in the sermon he gave. Yeah, no, no, I, I mentioned that because until you're in that position, and, and you might think, well, I'll never be in that position. Yeah, that's what I thought too, and everyone thought. But, yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, my dad and I were put in the back of the squad car and, uh, um, we're taking, taking to the police station. Of course, we had to give, uh, elimination fingerprints and, and such. And they saw the blood on my arm. And of course, you know, it's always an issue. So, um, you know, we, and I describe in the book what happens next. And, but, but, you know, to watch a family member, that being my father, um, just being dumbstruck by what happened. And of course, being in shock by what happened, not knowing that there was a secret life. See, homosexuality, and I don't preach this in the book. I just give kind of the facts and tell you what happened, because what happens in this is really something else. But homosexuality has with it, the lifestyle has with it a certain risk. And it's not AIDS. I mean, it's beyond AIDS. It has a certain risk, especially... Um. Well, and as a Christian, I think we, we all have to to acknowledge that behavior. Not uh, this is not hate speech. This is just fact. Because if you look at the crime statistics, just just look at that. But but I guess I, I digress from your question. So, um, and I know we're coming up to the the halfway point where Pastor Billy Crone will be joining us. Uh, when this murder happened, were you you were not an investigator, or were you at the time? <coughs> no. <laughs> Excuse me, no, I was not. In fact, I was just getting off of a... I was just... Uh, the, is this when you were doing the uh, uh, EMS? Yeah, I was just getting off that, and uh, I was just... Because I was sick and tired of all the, all the death and destruction and car death and carnage and stuff, so I, I had enough of that. So I was just getting off of that, and um, so fast forward five years later, five years to the day, and that's... The police uh, made no progress, correct? Oh, that was the other thing, too. Yeah, I, I should mention that. Obviously, um, there was enough forensic evidence there in terms of uh, fingerprints and what have you to to make an arrest. And when uh, the, the guy, the, the, the cop that took us, my dad and I in, your grandfather and, and I in, to the police station, said, look, uh, given, the, given the amount of evidence there that I saw, an arrest should be you know forthcoming any time. Even back then, in the in the eighty two, they had the ability to match fingerprints. Now it was a manual kind of match where you a had a microscope. Actually, well, not that, microscope, yeah, but, uh, magnifying glass. And, no, uh, well, not that. <laughs> but but anyway, they had this. Uh, but you had a manual. Like, for example, you had to match somebody. If you had a, a a known, you had to match the known with the unknown. So anyway, um, they said, "Oh yeah, you know, it, it's going to be just a couple of days, I'm sure, because a, a hideous murder like this in, in, in this town would would." certainly be, you know, they'd be able to discover it. Bottom line, well, five the, years. The news all over it? 
Oh, the news yeah. is everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's amazing because I, I had sat, uh, in fact, with, uh, I had sat in, in the restaurant with my father and, and a woman who became my stepmother later on. Um, and, and it's amazing to sit in a restaurant and know the innocence of your father. And, and folks, please pay attention to this point. This is not in the book. But think about this. That week, oh, it was a talk of the town, obviously, because my uncle was imagine, a school teacher, yeah. okay? And it was a hideous murder. But think about this. You're in a restaurant, a very popular restaurant. No one knows who you are, really. And there's about 100,000 people in Erie. 100, yeah, 107, roughly. Yeah, whatever. But in hearing the conversation of the table next next to you, and they're talking about the murder, and, having, and, and hearing the guy say, well, I think the brother did it, meaning my father. Yeah. Okay, and they they've got no clue who we are sitting there, and then the woman says, "Well, I think uh, I think maybe the the son might have done it, meaning me." <laughs> and I think the motive was murder or was was uh, uh, robbery or whatever. And, and hearing this back and forth, all you know, again, this is not in the book. This is extra. So you know, be be very be very. Uh, circumspect when you talk about stuff like this, okay? When you are in a restaurant for, if you think you know something, and isn't funny, oh, I, I think I know this. Oh, may I don't think you do, you know? And it, it took everything in me not to go over to that table at the time, because I was a cocksure young guy, you know? <laughs> to, to just, yeah. to, just to kick the chair out from underneath the guy. But anyway, I didn't do that, but think about that the next time you're having a discussion, because you don't know who's sitting next to you. Um, so, but it was it was five years. By the way, five years, no arrests. It was so a cold said, case. He said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own investigation." Well, no, one one night, my father and we had become estranged, folks. You know, my my dad, my family, and I. Uh, my dad, me. Okay, I guess you uh, went through uh, a number of years where he didn't talk. Yeah, and I was an idiot. Okay, I was. I and, and this book, uh, this is during a time when I was not a committed Christian. I was just, it was just an idiot. I know how angry PI. Uh, yes, and I had become a PI like the month before, and hooked up with a guy um, who was now deceased, and and uh, my father called him up, not me, him up, and said, "Hey, do you think maybe uh, it's been five years now? No arrests have been made. Something's wrong here. Do you think you could take a look at it?" Meaning my partner, not me, of course. No one would turn to me because I don't know anything, and that was true to a large extent. And uh, he took the case for a dollar. My dad handed the dollar. And I just uh, tossed the daughter to the garage. Uh, it, it, that's in the book, and that gets into now some some stuff. But it it takes you from that point, from that five year anniversary, the day that we got that case, into the arrest, and a little bit beyond, and a little bit beyond, and into that that investigation. There are some things that happened that I had, I've never admitted before anywhere in that book. There are some admissions in the book I've never admitted, and. Christians, yeah, we yeah, uh, we have Pastor Billy Crumb standing by. Right, but one last question: yeah. Why would a Christian want to read the book? Well, about murder? that's just it. You know, you think murder and mayhem, you think Twilight series, you think OJ, and you think this is all just BS. No, what perhaps of all my failures, and there are many. One thing I failed to really get across was the back then and even today. There's satanic ritual abuse. There's uh, satanic worship. There's all sorts of this. W- w- the bottom line, real quick, is this: what we took and what I took as a murder investigation suddenly took a dark turn, and the murder was secondary to 
something we stumbled into. And what we stumbled into is the very thing that Russ Dizdar talks about every day or gives seminars about. What we stumbled into is what's taking place in your city, in your town today. What we stumbled into is something that's so horrific, I cannot even... I mean, even now, I think, had I known then what I know now, man, it would just would have been a lot different. And uh, uh, thank you for allowing me to do that. But uh, let's get to our let's get to our guest, and we'll uh, we'll talk more about this in the coming days and weeks, uh, as it is, especially after I finish reading the book and get a, a better understanding of everything that you put in you, there. You know, I just want to say one last thing. Um, I I did not write. The, people say, well, why now? In fact, I was talking to Judy McLeod from Canada Free Press today. And she knew I was doing this uh, book, but the people I said, well, why after all these years? Why now? There's one, there's one reason. Time is short and we need to know what we're up against. And we didn't, in order to know what we're up against, in part, I, I believe, in part, you need to know a little bit of the history behind things. And this, this is kind of like eyes wide shut and it'll wake you up. That's what I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've read it, uh, you know, leave a helpful, helpful, uh, review or an honest, I shouldn't say helpful, leave an honest review on, on Amazon. If you haven't, uh, it's on Amazon. So there you go. Thank you for asking about that. All right. Tonight, our guest, Pastor Billy Crone, he is, his website is getalifemedia.com. He is a pastor of a church there in Las Vegas. You can see his church, uh, service streaming live. Sunday, 10.45 a.m., and Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., and Pastor Crone, I have not uh, watched your church service yet, but I hope to be able to this Sunday, as I was not aware that they were available online. Uh, we had yet to hear the Watchman Conference. Uh, you talked about the attack of the drones. Skynet is coming. It's great to have you back on the show. Hey, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. We, Folks, we had the best time talking to him uh, behind the scenes at Hear the Watchman. Yeah, he this guy, uh you talk about a sense of humor and a, and a, you know just an upbeat positive attitude. Uh very funny. Um you know this this is the man to to talk to. Um you know, some pastors are very serious and and some uh you know, this guy he walks the walk and he talks the talk and he walks the walk and uh it's always fun to have him on the show and and to be around him. And uh I missed the interview behind the scenes that you did. Oh man, yeah, I'll tell you what, Pastor Crone just uh knocked it out of the park and, and really was so gracious with his time. So can't we you know, it's great. Well, Pastor Crone, um we see a lot going on in our world today. I know uh we talked, you know, a couple of days ago about what we were going to discuss tonight and we wanted to talk you wanted to talk specifically about the the terror that is happening in Europe the Islamic uh, invasion the Arab invasion uh, where do you want to begin well you know again I just first of all I want to uh, apologize for uh, asking to talk about a topic that is so not relevant with yeah whatever uh, <laughs> it's just so crazy we we just came out with this study right uh, eight studies eight hours and it's all chock full of video evidence news clips from here in the United States around the world interviews with the actual people involved uh, with the uh, Muslim terrorists and things of that nature what their true motives are uh, including that uh, with immigration and how that's a smokescreen and things of that nature we just came out with it and it's just like you got to be kidding me it's just everything is just going nuts 
And uh, what I tell people, because there's, you know, first of all, let me back up. The scripture says in the last days, Jesus said, right, Matthew 24. And, you know, the disciples come to him there in that classic passage, and uh, they, they ask him, you know, hey, tell us, you know, when's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Okay, long before Jesus ever mentions the increase of earthquakes or famines or pestilence or signs in the sky, persecution, wars, rumors of wars, all that stuff that we're typically jumped to in that passage, the first thing out of his mouth, he says, watch out that nobody deceives you. In fact, if you look at the rest of that chapter in Matthew 24, the whole theme is deceit, 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 right? It, it, he talks about false prophets and false Christs and false teachings. In fact, the deceit level is at such a, uh, a, a level that if you're not careful, he even says even the elect could fall for it if you're not careful. And certainly there's a lot of deceit going on, certainly with the spiritual issues. Uh, uh, but I really think that one of these last days deceit is this current issue uh, with uh, ISIS. And when I keep telling, I just finished with a, a, another interview a few couple days ago, and I says, listen, because everybody's talking ISIS this, ISIS that, ISIS this. Well, what was it before ISIS? You know, Boko Haram. What was it before that? It was Hamas. What was it before that? It was Al-Qaeda. What was it before that? You know, Osama bin Laden, right? And the lie that's out there is that they're just a small sect of Islam, you know, these extremists, and the latest, quote, small supposed sect extremists is ISIS. That's a lie. Okay, and this is what I keep saying. ISIS is not the problem. Islam is. And this is where people are being deceived. You know, and, and again, they're being deceived by the president. They're being deceived by our government. They're being deceived by the school system, the court system, the, and the media, etc., the, this is what ISIS ISIS is doing what Islam teaches okay but again they're not the only ones okay why are they so heartless why are they so cruel why do we keep seeing the slaughter of innocent people including women and children and blowing people up and beheadings and all that stuff because that's what Islam teaches that comes straight out of the Quran Islam first of all you gotta understand means submission right and a Muslim means a submitted one well, what do you submit to? Well, let me just give you real quick uh, a small sampling straight out of the Quran. Well, first of all, Muslims, you know, submitted ones are to do battle uh, for Allah. They're to go to war for Allah. They are to kill those who are against Islam and who are against Allah. And I'm just, this is uh, uh, straight out of the Quran. They are to slay the non-Muslim. And they specifically call out the people of the book. The people of the book is who? The Jews and the Christians. See, this is what some Christians don't even get. They think, oh, they're just going after the Jewish people. No, the people of the book in the Quran is Jews and Christians, okay? Uh, they're to behead people. We even document, uh, and this, we're just using their own book, uh, the Quran, and the Hadith and Syria and the other writings that they revere as well. But they, they uh, say it's okay to torture, it's okay to burn, it's okay, it, it's, it's horrid, folks. You wish you were making this up, but, but we're not. ISIS is just doing this, but they're not the only one. We even have them on video in their own camp right? Uh, admitting that this is what all of them really want to do. All Muslims believe this, true Muslims, because that's what the Quran teaches. Now, obviously, I don't recommend it. It's not Christian. It's not right. <laughs> but this is the facts. This is what people are being deceived on, okay? And they have to submit to what is said in the Quran, because that is the, quote, will of Allah. Otherwise, they're not being a good submitter, i.e. a Muslim, okay? And, and, and furthermore, if that wasn't concerning enough, you guys heard about Sharia law, and that you know once in a while they'll talk about that in the media. Okay, they not only if you if you disagree, right? Because you think about it, you and I as a Christian, if 
you know, we share the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ, and how God is willing to forgive you of all your sins through the work of Jesus on the cross, and, and purely as an act of his graciousness and goodness and mercy. He's done all the work for you. It's a gift. You just receive it by faith because you can't earn it, etc., and that you can go to heaven. Well, if somebody disagrees, then what, what do we do? Well, we just keep praying for him. We might try again later if God should give you the opportunity, and you'll walk away, right? Not Islam. Islam, if you disagree, you're in a heap of trouble. They're going to kill you. They're going to chop your head off, etc., etc. And this is in their own writings. And this is what a Muslim means. You have to submit to that. And if you don't submit to what is written in that book, then you're not a true uh, Muslim. Uh, but, but what they want to do is, again, if you disagree, they want to kill you. Okay, uh, but they want to institute an, their version of quote civil law. Okay, and again called Sharia law. Let me read to you just a few of those things. This is just a few. What is in Sharia law? And folks, this is what they want to do to the whole world, which is another level of deceit. Oh, when they come over here to America, they're going to assimilate and they're going to be good. No, they're not. Islam by itself will never assimilate with any other nation. They will only assimilate to what Allah says. That's the bare bones definition of what it means to be a, a Muslim. But listen to this law. If you commit a theft, okay, and they do this right now all over the world. I'm not making this up. If you commit a theft right now, they will amputate. They will cut off your hands and or your feet, okay? If you criticize or deny any part of the Quran, it is, you are punished, you, you, you're killed. It's punishable by death. If you criticize or deny Muhammad, it's punishable by death. If you criticize or deny Allah, it's punishable by death. If a Muslim becomes a non-Muslim, let's say becomes a Christian, it is punishable by death. And by the way, when I was uh, even in Bible college in Sacramento back in the day, uh, I, I ran into a guy who this really happened. His family, his Muslim family tried to kill him. And I was doing this internship for this guy who was you know, doing a, a tent and doing evangelistic ministries and stuff, and I was helping him. And anyway, so I went over there one one time, and and he had this new guy, and I forget his name, but he's a Muslim guy, and he be, just became a brand new Christian. And he was living with this guy, and the reason why is because he became a Christian. He went home. Okay, as soon as his family found out, they stabbed him in the stomach. Okay, tried to kill him. He managed to escape. Okay, and then within uh, a day or two, they had completely liquidated his account. Obviously, his wife left him, his whole family. And, and basically, this is real. This is in America. This is not in Saudi Arabia. This is not in Afghanistan. Okay? And, and that was, frankly, about 20 years ago. It's even worse today because the population has grown. Okay? But if you become a non-Muslim, you are to be killed. In fact, the person who witnessed you led you away from Islam, okay, the, uh, according to Sharia law, you die too. And, and, and a non-Muslim man, if you marry a Muslim woman, you die. Okay, and then this is what gets me. Where's the women's rights groups on all this issue? Where is the women's rights issue? Because this is one of the most horrid treatment towards women, and yet it's basic silence, you know, from from those uh, groups. But basically, a woman in Islam, you can have only one husband, but a man can have multiple wives. Uh, a man can uh, unilaterally divorce his wife, but the woman needs her husband's consent uh, to divorce. A man can beat his wife for insubordination. Uh, you have to have the testimonies. Listen to this one. You have to have the testimony of four male witnesses. Okay, required to prove rape against women. What? And listen to this. A woman who has been raped cannot testify in court against a rapist. 
Oh, and by the way, don't forget a woman can't drive a car. I mean, and I'm not giving you all of them, but folks, this is really the threat that's going on. This is what's going on in Europe. They're further along than we are, but we are kidding ourselves if we think this is not coming here. The, and if we don't deal with the problem at its root, at its source, we're never going to deal with it correctly. It's ISIS is not the problem. Islam is. And until we deal with it, folks, we are being deceived just like Jesus said was going to happen in the last days. You are so right. And, and Pastor, uh, in the Quran, Surah 3, 85, um, just to speak to your reference to assimilating and taking on different religions, Surah 3, 85, if anyone desires a religion other than Islam, and of course submission to Allah, never will it be accepted of him. And in the hereafter, he will be in the ranks of those who have lost, Surah um uh, 929, fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day. Uh, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they, uh, even if they are of the people of the book and so on. The, what's the disconnect here? And, and you're right. I mean, first of all, we're being lied to on, on a, a huge level, but what's the disconnect? Why isn't uh, Susan Sarandon and Sally Struthers and, uh, boy, I might be behind times, but you know, Rachel Maddow, why aren't they saying, or even Megyn Kelly saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a problem here with Islam. Uh, What's the deal? Well, I think, uh, one, there's a, there's a deliberate uh, cover-up that's going on. I, and I think, I think one is this is being deliberately done, because this is the most, one of the most <laughs> insane things that we could ever do in our country, because we're literally inviting a ticking time bomb to go off. Right now, there's theories, and on our study uh, that we've entitled uh, Islam, uh, Religion of War or Peace, which you can get on our website, getlifemedia.com. And folks, it's only 15 bucks. That includes shipping. It's eight hours, four DVDs. Okay, getlifemedia.com. And by the way, you can even get a free downloadable workbook, and it's great for all kinds of stuff. But you need to get equipped, folks, uh, because churches aren't even talking about that, and maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. But I, uh, I share on the study, if you will, the Chrome theory. Uh, long term, because this is insane, you know. Right? And, and, and I use the analogy um, with um, w- w- back in World War II, right? W- would would it be uh, hypocritical? Would it be unloving, uh, intolerant if uh, the Nazis were wanting to come over here and immigrate to United States during World War II? No, mm. who would ever make a statement like that, right? Because why? Right. Because they are a threat. They're, they're about world domination. Islam is all about world domination. It's about bringing the whole planet under the dom, uh, uh, submitting under to Allah. Again, that's what the term means. Islam means to submit, and a Muslim is a submitted one. Okay, and and so they are here to take over in the United States, over in Europe. Okay, and they're doing that in a multitude of ways. But but we're doing this on purpose. Our government is allowing this on purpose. And you think, well, this 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 doesn't make sense. Well, folks, if you understand the true teachings of Islam, okay, it is a powder keg waiting to go off. All somebody has to do, okay, is declare a jihad, and every Muslim is bound, okay, they are bound to take up arms and do what Allah says. In fact, if you look at these statistics, and we share statistics, uh, basically the bulk of American Muslims, okay, like 58%, 
Okay, they think that Sharia law is great. They want it here in the United States. They do not want to submit to the American way of life, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, American courts of law, none of that stuff. They want this here. And uh, the bulk of them also think that what ISIS is doing is perfectly fine. This is here in America. So if somebody, if you will, uh, one of these uh, uh, priests, give, uh, Islamic priests, if they give the order and say, all right, uh, it's time to... Uh, you know, do something to America. Folks, they are bound to do it, and they're all over the place, and we keep inviting them. So I'm going like, this is insane. Anybody who knows Islam, this is exactly what you're inviting to your country. It's, it's lame. It's like, hey, come on, Nazis, during World War II, let's, let's compromise our security. This is what's going on. And so my theory is like, well, the, it, it's so insane, there's got to be a reason. And what my theory is, uh, part of the reason, is I think you need to create a crisis so you can manage the outcome. Now, bare minimum, if that event were to go off, and if all the Muslims in the United States were to declare jihad here in America, what would you have overnight? You would have martial law. You'd have to declare martial law. You'd have to declare martial law. Now, at that point, boy, anything goes, right? Anything goes. Absolutely. Now, and, and that's a whole other topic right there. But I think another thing, too, is because, and this is another issue that has to do with Bible prophecy. The Bible says in the last days, you're only going to have deceit. But part of that deceit is you're going to see rise on the scene across the planet a one-world government, a one-world economy, a one-world religion, and you got this implementation of this thing called a mark of the beast that controls what people buy and sell, etc. So this aspect of a one-world religion, not only do you have Pope Francis right now going all over the planet, he's making what Pope John Paul II did look like child play, but he is out there all over the world. Uh, he's even, uh, I don't know if you saw just recently, he was kissing the feet uh, of Muslims and everybody saying, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. He's like, what? Uh, anybody that says all religions basically teach the same thing just told you you don't know anything about world religions, and you certainly don't know anything about Christianity and or your line because they're radically different. We're not all, it's not all the same. Islam is not at all like Christianity. What are you doing? But he's going around, trips around the planet, and he's coercing people that, hey, we all just got to get along. The church is falling for this baloney, too, with the ecumenical movement, and we all just got to get along. And, and, and guess who wants to be at the top? Guess who wants to control all the religions on the planet? The Vatican. Right, yep. and so he's going around, trips around the planet, and and what's the Bible say? You're going to have a false prophet, right? Uh, a religious leader who works in conjunction with the Antichrist, this one world government system, right? Revelation 17, and then uh, you know he's going to grab control of that, and and this is what the Vatican is doing. So they've already got the pieces in play. We've talked about this before in our other studies, the Final Countdown study, etc., our Bible prophecy studies, 80 studies that we've done on that, and. Um, when you take a look at that, uh, they have already got the major uh, uh, pieces in place. And what they're crying out, and this is every major religion on the planet right now, is calling for a single entity to control the religions on the planet. And to basically, verbatim uh, quote, is basically they're crying out right now that they want a united nations of religions to control all the religions on the planet, just like the United Nations controls the governments on the planet. This is the outcry right now behind the scenes. Most people are too distracted with what's going on with the football draft or basketball playoffs and whatever. And this is all going on behind the scenes. And the Pope's over there, and of course he wants to be on the top. But here's my point. They've got all the pieces in place when it comes to this aspect of a one-world religion. Right? But you need, you need a really good excuse to really put it into play. Right? What's going to be your excuse to, you know what, we've got to move from the idea stage to put this into play. We need some form of control on the religions on the planet. Aha. 
Well, it just so happens that you got this uh, dangerous religion called Islam, uh, who is so violent that if you disagree, we'll kill you. And now they're being spread all over the whole world. And now we're starting to see the behavior, the fruit of it, unfortunately, even here in America. And if all of a sudden, all across the world, the whole thing went off, then after the dust settles, after martial law, after who knows what, okay, stir it all together. You know what the world's probably going to cry out for? We need some sort of united uh, uh, nations of religions to control the religions on the planet because we can't let these extremists do this ever again, right? We need mm-hmm. somebody to control the religions. That's your ultimate excuse. Most people don't realize the peace is already in play. They just need the right uh, 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 problem to come on uh, as the excuse. Same thing with 9-11, right? What happened after 9-11? I, mean, I still can't believe this. 9-11, <laughs> you know, we can talk, you know, who did it, whatever, and all that stuff, and obviously uh, don't buy into the, the official response from the government personally. Uh, but what, what happened after 9-11? 9-11 became the ultimate excuse to pass forward the Patriot Act, which is pukey, because, excuse me, there's nothing patriotic about it. Ripping off our freedoms, big brother on steroids, okay? And to launch Homeland Security, right? And I'll never forget when they came out and they announced Homeland Security after 9-11. You know how, how huge that document was? And do you really think that they whipped that out, they typed it up and figured it all out, and made the game plan and in two weeks after 9-11? Are you crazy? That thing was already in place, sitting there, waiting for the right crisis. Folks, I'm telling you, I truly Absolutely. believe Islam is the same thing. Why no? This is insane. This is insane for our government. It's insane for Europe to invite this dangerous, threatening religion on purpose into your country. You can't even ask questions. You talk about building a wall, people laugh at you. You talk about, we need to take a look at this serious, oh, we can't do that, this is discrimination, right? It's crazy. But... If all of a sudden it was spread all over the world, and all of a sudden order was given, create chaos, jihad, you have your ultimate excuse not only to maybe put in the clamps for a true global government, but at the same time, maybe also the the excuse to have somebody control all the religions on the planet. Now, what's freaky is that's two of the major pins, two of the major pins that you're going to see during the seven-year tribulation. Folks, this is how close we are. Yes, we are. And what you said <clears throat> about the ecumenical movement, the um, uh, the interfaith religious movement that we see in uh, many of the bigger Christian churches today, uh, the you know, we talked about at the beginning of the show the apostasy, how there has been a falling away from the church. It has you know laid the foundation and the groundwork for the acceptance of this um, you know interfaith relationship. And from Alice ba- Bailey's uh, the reappearance of the Christ to our global neighborhood from the UN they talk about this coming time just as you said Pastor Crumb where there's going to be a crisis and out of that crisis there's going to be a coming world teacher to restore unity what they say in their document here is that you know after this crisis the core values of the UN are going to be justice and equality but they go on to say that mutual respect is broadly defined as tolerance and they go on to say when globalization fully enters and is applied there will be uh, people who are intolerant. Individual achievement and personal responsibility are counter to the value of mutual respect. Uh, that from Robert Mueller from the UN. And it goes on to say, basically, uh, in Alice Bailey's The Reappearance of the Christ, that the Christians are going to you know, not accept this new world leader, and they're going to be shown for what they are as intolerant, hateful, unaccepting, and they will have to be exterminated. Now, well, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, and I, I agree with you too because I think that's the other setup. Because again, you know, if you will, who, who's the scapegoat to uh, usher in martial law? You know, again, this is a theory. I'm not going to say that. Say the Lord. Who's what's the what's the scapegoat for uh, usher in martial law? Push for the one world government, maybe officially get it locked into place because that would be a global crisis, wouldn't it? If you had jihad going on the planet, literally rioting, killing the streets, beheadings, all that stuff, uh, and then of course at the same time you're excused for a one world religion to be controlled as well. But what people don't realize the same terminology that they're using on these folks they've been using on us since 9-11 and i'm talking about christians right we're not just evangelicals we're what right-wing extremists fundamental evangelicals now if you're paying attention to the news that's the same ones that they're using on the islamic terrorists right that everybody's saying we need to hunt down and kill folks we're next on the list because we will never go along with the one world religion we can't okay because jesus christ is the only way to heaven Right? John fourteen six. Jesus said, I didn't say it. He said, I am the truth, the life, uh, the way. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I didn't say it, he did. So how could you be a Christian and say that there's more than one way? You can't ever go along with one religion. But you're absolutely right. There's a movement in the church, and again, we expose this for all it's worth uh, in our study uh, on Islam. Uh, it's, it's a false teaching going to the church called Chrislam. Right? And basically, they're teaching that Islam and Christianity can coexist. Right? Now, one of the biggest culprits of that, okay, and we expose it and, and bring out actual PowerPoint slides of them doing it in their church, of course, unfortunately, is Rick Warren of the uh, Saddleback Church, okay? And uh, unfortunately, he's one of America's uh, influential so-called Christian leaders, okay? But he's already, he's got this program called Kingsway, and this is basically merging, okay, Islam and Christianity, creating this Christian movement. It's absolutely crazy, okay? And again, folks, you can check this out. This is easily documented. You can check it out. But he's down there partnering with Muslims in Southern California in their mosques, okay, and uh, saying that we need to work together and, and, you know, it's because, you know, Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Are What? How do you even how, how does that even come out of your mouth? Uh, Allah is not the same God as the God of the Bible. Allah says, "You die for me." The God of the Bible died for you because He loves you. Allah is not a loving God at all. In fact, He's very indifferent, impersonal, right? And 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 and, and Islam is a works-based salvation. And even then, you still don't know because it's the mysterious will of Allah. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I don't know. You know, that, that's not the God of the Bible. How could you sit there and say that? How could that ever come out of your mouth as a Christian? Okay? But he's promoting this thing called King's Way out there. And uh, he has, Rick Warren has broken Ramadan fasts, okay, down there in Southern California at the mosque, the Muslim mosque, okay? And he's uh, addressed uh, 8,000 Muslims at a national convention in Washington, D.C. He's invited them. Okay, Muslims to Christmas dinner and played interfaith. Now, that's the buzzword. If you guys don't realize this, we expose this in our final countdown study. Interfaith, interfaithism, okay, uh, is a buzzword for one world religion. So when you hear that on the news, when you hear that wherever in print, okay, interfaith means one world religion because that's what you're doing. You're trying to combine all religions under one umbrella, okay? But they're playing interfaith down there at Saddleback, interfaith soccer picnics, okay? One of them was over by uh, three over 300 people, and it pitted the pastors and the uh, Islamic imams against the teens uh, from both faiths, 
Okay. Uh, then again, the whole point is they're coming together to build a document that uh, that uh, affirms how they can quote coexist. Right? Christians and Muslims, they say, believe in one God, and then they share uh, two essential commandments. He says to love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> what? Islam? There is no love. There is no warming up and chumming up with Allah because he's impersonal and indifferent. Okay. And that's so. How can that be quote the love of God and to love your neighbor? I already quoted, uh, and you guys quoted uh, from the Quran. Uh, your neighbor, if your neighbor disagrees with you, what do you do? You chop his head off and you kill him. Uh, folks, this I'm sorry to be blunt, but this is the level of deceit. This is what you're not hearing in the media, and unfortunately, a lot of times, unfortunately, you're not even here in the church. Okay, but they're there to build these, you know, build peace, work together, all that stuff, right? And this is what got me. Okay, now listen to this, folks. They sit there, and they had said this. Not only are they trying to say that we worship the same God and that we just love each other and love our neighbor, and that's not true, but I'm going to read a direct quote. Quote, we agreed, this is Rick Warren, we agreed we wouldn't try to evangelize each other. <laughs> what? Now, 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 put that in the Christian context, right? Jesus, before he went into the right hand of the Father, Matthew 28, the last thing he told his disciples, right, is he says, you know, the Great Commission. You know, go into all the world and show the gospel, right? Right? Notice it wasn't the grand suggestion, right? It was the Great Commission. Why? Because he's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to escape hell. It's Jesus, right? That's an important charge, right? And so here you have, and basically what that means is, here's the reality, folks. Every religion on the planet, I didn't say this, Jesus did. Every religion on the planet, every cult, Everybody who thinks it's something else other than Jesus leads straight to hell, right? So how could you sit there and call yourself a Christian, number one? How could you sit there and call yourself a loving Christian, number one, if you know the way out, the only way out is through Jesus Christ, and you know somebody is on a false path, be it Islam, be it whatever false religion there is, and you agree to keep your mouth shut? I don't want friends like that. In fact, that would be the most unloving thing I could ever do. And yet here you are saying you're a loving Christian and you agreed not to evangelize these people who were headed to hell. Absolutely crazy. Now, what they're doing is they're taking the next step. And it's one thing for that uh, individual church to do that, but they're encouraging churches all across America, you need to do the same thing as well. Okay? And, and you need to invite Muslims and you need to let them preach from your pulpit. Okay? Uh, on and on it goes. One of the groups that they're uh, working with is called Faith Shared if you want to uh, check that out. And they're asking, quote, houses of worship across the country to organize events involving clergy reading from each other's sacred texts. An example would be, and I quote, a Christian minister, a Jewish rabbi, and a Muslim imam participating in a worship service or other event. And suggested readings will be provided from the Torah, the Gospels, and the Quran. And, and we will also provide suggestions on how to, quote, incorporate this program into your regu regular worship services. What? Folks, this is going on in the church. It's absolutely insane. Okay? And, and this is, again, this is the level of the seed. What did Jesus say? He, before he talked about earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars, etc., blah, 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 the first thing out of his mouth was, watch out that nobody deceives you. And it's getting so bad, folks, that that person who might be trying to deceive you might be from the pulpit. It's getting absolutely. that bad. Absolutely. And Pastor Crone, we're coming up against the top of the hour break, but, you know, from Obama back when he was running against John McCain in 2008, interviewed by George Stephanopoulos, 
when asked about, he, he mentioned, uh, John McCain has not, you know, asked about my Muslim faith and he was corrected by the interviewer saying my Christian faith. And he said, oh yes, my Christian faith. Um, there's something dark and sinister. There has been something dark and sinister in the works inside our own government. And this is the big problem. The authority, the people who are, are paid to protect us and, and represent us have turned their back on us. And we're going to get into this on the other side. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report with Pastor Billy Crone. GetAlifeMedia.com. GetAlifeMedia.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Treat your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this very special edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our special guest is, of course, Pastor Billy Crone, GetAlifeMedia.com. GetAlifeMedia.com is talking to him during the break, and uh, I did say that one of the things, one of the jobs I would never, you couldn't pay me enough to, to, to have is that being a pastor. Um, wow, it's just it's just really something. Before we get back to Pastor Crone, um, folks, let me ask you a question. Are, are you sick and tired of being stressed, overwhelmed by your life, unmotivated perhaps? Do you feel like life is running you and instead of you running your life? I was talking to Judy McLeod about this today, editor of Canada Free Press. We had a great conversation. You're not alone in this. You can experience the scientifically proven powers of music therapy with whole tones. Now, they've got a collection, a collection of proven music therapy that can be used to help reduce stress, ease your mind, and motivate you. You can get started today. And listen to a free sample of this amazing music that heals and inspires at WholeTonesLive.com. Now, you got to spell this correctly, W-H-O-L-E, TonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. One of our many, many pleased uh, listeners, clients, said, I started playing Whole Tones throughout my workday. Not only was I more creative, 
more motivated. The work I was doing seemed easier and clearer. And we had Michael Terrell on our show, and he explained how this music was inspired by the music of Frequencies of King David. So before you say, wait a minute, this is New Age stuff. No, 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 no. No, no. Do the research, and I will tell you that this makes a difference. Lady, the studio dog. And uh, always a crowd pleaser. Just responds so dramatically to, to, I mean, she could be stressed and, you know, separation anxiety, whatever. Put this on and she is as relaxed as ever. That's wholetoneslive.com. Go, go to the website. Download a free sample at wholetoneslive.com. Support this broadcast and go to wholetoneslive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E. That's wholetoneslive.com. Pastor Billy Crone is, is a guy that, uh, he's a man that, that I have grown to respect. I mean, I've always respected him and speaking to him, but after meeting with him and a couple of different occasions, once I think in Florida and, and more recently, of course, in uh, Dallas, Texas, what an amazing guy. And the subject right now is Islam and political Islam. And, you know, right now our, our current system of governance in this country is that of a representative republic. And, if you would allow Islam to take over, many people don't understand that Islam is a religion and a way of life and a state. It's a church-state affair. Understand that. And and I, I don't think any guest understands that better than Pastor Billy Crone and understands the implications, the prophetic implications of what we're seeing take place right now. And, folks, if you... Uh, Look, go to his website, getelectmedia.com, and watch the teachings there, and also work with the DVDs because to, to see this and, and and share this with your with your fellow churchgoers and members of of your family. This, I believe, this information is so critical to our knowledge. You know, they've weaponized Islam. Uh, the New World Order, the power brokers. I, I, you know, people say, oh, there's no New World Order. It's all disorder, but it's disorder by design. And they have weaponized Islam to, to, to just create chaos in this, in, in this country and all across the world. But make, you no, know, and, and I want to say this real quick and I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Crown. You know, there are a lot of blog and websites out there dedicated to, to exposing the, the evil wiles of Islam. They're not wrong. They're not wrong at all. <clears throat> but where they fall short is understanding where Islam fits into the system of the global governance agenda, the New World Order agenda. And that's where our guest really excels. Pastor Billy Crone, thanks for thanks for being on with us. Hey, you bet, guys. And, uh, hey, before we continue, I'd like to uh, drop a shameless plug for Mike. Uh, he wanted to <laughs> let me know that the uh, uh, the DVDs from the Hear the Watchman conference, if people want to get them, that they uh, can get them at uh, uh, the hearthewatchman.com uh, website if they want to get the DVDs. So, anyway, uh, hey, before with the break, we we started to get a little bit into um, you know with the president and things of that nature, and you know what's really going on. And uh, I was really excited to get to this, and uh, boy, it was a lot of work. But uh, I, th- I think, it, and this is just one of the eight. Uh, studies on here, okay? There's uh, on this uh, Islam, religion of war, or peace. And one of the studies was just on this, asking this simple question, is Barack Hussein Obama a Muslim? And in that one study, okay, that's on this DVD set, uh, we got 22 video clips, cram-packed in about an hour, okay? And it's not, it's not my word, right? 
it's it's not a you know I got this from wackyconspiracyguy.org or joeschmo.com. I don't know if those are actual websites, but whatever, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, but no, this is the actual news broadcast. This is actually him on camera. This is Michelle Obama saying this on camera. This is other people, etc. Blah blah blah, around the world saying this. Okay, but if you got a moment, uh, I just want to run with you some of the proof that we came. Or, or, or I'll let your listener you know fill in the blank. Who who is this guy? Right. Remember when we opened the broadcast, Matthew 24, what was the first thing that Jesus said? Deceit, deceit, deceit. The last days, how you know you're getting close, you're going to see such deceit you can't even dream. Okay. And, and, and so we just began to take a look at that and like, okay, well, who is this guy, right? And because on the one hand, you know, when he arose on the scene, he would say he was a Christian, right? Okay, well, uh, you know, people say, well, you can't judge. Well, no, actually, the, Jesus says, you know, you'll know them by their fruit, right? In Matthew 7. Right? And if you read the text there, and we've taught on this on other studies, uh, the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't judge. The Bible says, even Matthew 7, because what they do is they, they quote that passage, but they stop at the first verse and don't read the context. They say, judge not, lest you be judged. Well, keep reading. It says, yeah, don't judge, be a hypocrite. Don't sit there and have this plank in your eye, right, this log in your eye, and then you try to pull out this piece of sawdust. Okay, and then keep reading. He doesn't even stop there. He said, first get rid of the plank in your eye, then what? then stop and say nothing? No. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He, the point is, it's not that you shouldn't judge. The point is that uh, uh, don't be a hypocrite when you judge it. And Jesus says the same thing in the book of John, I believe. He says, when you judge, you make a righteous judgment. And, and by the way, the Bible is full of judgments from God. And so in essence, I'm not really the one who's judging. I'm just like, if you will, the, the court reporter. I'm just reporting God's judgment. God says that's right. God says that's wrong, right? And, and, and the Ten Commandments, what are those, ten suggestions? No, those are ten judgments of what is right and wrong from God. So anybody saying that you shouldn't judge as a Christian, it's like, what Bible are you reading? Okay? And again, we're not doing the judgments. We're reporting the judgment from God. God has the right to judge his creation. Okay? So, so that's a lie. So anyway, so, all right, so let's take a look. Let's be uh, discerning Christians. Uh, who is this guy? And, you know, we begin to uh, take that uh, a journey on that. And first of all, you look at where the guy uh, was, you know, born from the area there in Kenya, right? Thirty-five to forty-five uh, yeah. percent of the population is Muslim in the area, right? And that mm-hmm. brings up a whole issue, you know, the birth certificate and all that other stuff. Um, but all I know is uh, there's a picture out there, and this talk about the sovereignty of God. I kid you not, this is how it really happened. There's a picture out there that uh, if you look on the internet and it says, welcome to Kenya, you know, birthplace of uh, Barack Obama, right? Now, if you do the research and keep clicking, all of a sudden, guess what pops up? Snopes. Now, we all know that Snopes is the ultimate uh, source of authority and truth. Once again, I'm being sarcastic. Okay, but if you look at their Snopes, says, oh no, that sign's not real. I kid you not, guys. I'm writing, I'm working in my office, my notes, and we have this uh, evangelist here in Las Vegas. His name's uh, Tim Barons. And he goes and he literally, I'm not joking, he shares the gospel. When I say around the world, it's around the world. And he'll pick a country and he will go there. And he will share thousands and thousands of gospel tracts and, and, and share uh, Jesus verbally with people, whatever. He actually was over there in Kenya, right? And I didn't know this, right? So I'm working on my notes. And so he, and it was a Wednesday night, and I was teaching this on a Wednesday night study. And so he comes in and he says, hey, Pastor Billy, I'm in town. And hey, what are you teaching on tonight? I says, oh, we've been in the study on Islam for, for a while. And I says, I get into the part where I'm uh, going to talk about Obama. And the first thing out of his mouth, he says, are you going to show the sign? I says, well, Tim, I did to come across that, but I've refrained from using it because, you know, Snope says it's not true. And he says, excuse me? He says, Snope's lying. He says, I was there. 
He said, I was, and we, we got him on camera giving his testimony. He said, I was actually there. He says, in fact, I, I could have kicked myself for not taking a picture of myself next to the sign. He says, but at that time, he said, uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, there were so many pictures on the Internet that I thought, well, everybody knows about the sign. You know, and then later, of course, Snope says it wasn't true, right? But he says, not only was that sign there, he saw it with his own eyes, it's real, okay? And he says, everybody I talked to said that he was a Muslim, okay? So th that's interesting, right? But you might think, well, that's just, you know, maybe that's just a quinkening. Well, then we begin to discuss, you look at his background and his family, right? Now, again, because you're going to say, well, why is this an important question to ask? Well, folks, you've got to ask yourself, why is our government purposely allowing Islamic terrorists into our country, right? Why is there a clear favoritism towards Islam and an antipathy towards Christianity specifically and the Jewish people? How's the relationship with Israel with this current administration? Not good. Maybe there's more than meets the eye. But then we take a look at his family. And folks, you could do this. And I think Jerome Corsi, he was one of the ones, that I think one of the first ones to start blowing the, um, the lid on this one. And you look at his family, and he's got some interesting characters in his family. One of them is his brother, Malik, M-A-L-I-K, if you want to check it out. And uh, he has attended a conference in the uh, Sudanese capital, Khartoum. And one of the objections, uh, objections uh, objectives is to spread uh, Islam. Wahhabist Islam across the African uh, continent. Okay, what, what's he doing there? And, and it gets even worse than that. Uh, Sudan's president Omar Al Bashir he supervised the conference, and he's wanted by the International Criminal Court on crimes against humanity. But Malik Obama, you look at him, and this is his brother. This is Barack Hussein Obama's brother. Okay, he is in bed right now with terrorists, working in a terrorist state as an official of an organization created by terrorists. Now, here's where the finger gets really sticky. The funds contributed in the U.S. are to a 501c3 foundation run by Malik Obama have been diverted to support Malik's multiple wives in Kenya. Okay? And guess who helped him get that 501c3 foundation going? Lewis Lerner. Remember her? She's the mm -hmm. director, of course, with the IRS tax exempt division, right, under congressional investigation, right, who with the targeting of evangelical Christians and other things going on. She the is the one who say. No, I know. It, it's crazy. It's like, are you making this up? Is this is this a cartoon? Is this a plot in a Hollywood movie coming up? Folks, this is our current administration. Do the homework. This is what you're not hearing about, and this is what we got in this study. We spill the beans on what's really going on, and you're never going to hear about, by and large. But she, Lois Lerner, she signed the letter approving the tax exempt status for the Malik Obama's. It's called the Barack H. Obama Foundation. Check it out. Now, when Malik Obama and Sarah Obama and she's the third wife of the paternal grandfather of Barack Obama. They raise money in the United States, okay, as the heads of the foundations claiming to be charities. Not only, listen to this, did the IRS illegally grant one of them tax-deductible status retroactively, but these foundations uh, are clearly supporting illegal operations, and they're acquiring funding for personal gain, uh, including uh, polygamy, and again promoting uh, Islamic terrorism. Okay, this is this is all documented. It's out there. The Barack H. Obama Foundation received. Listen to this, and I've gone through this uh, as a pastor in ministry. The Barack H. Obama Foundation received IRS approval in one month after application in 2011. One month. Now, folks, I've been through that process three different times over the years. One month. 
I don't care how good legal status you are. I don't care how good you've signed your paperwork. There's no way in the world you get approved in one month. This is crazy. Oh, but that's not the only foundation in his family. Listen to this one. There's, an, <laughs> there's another foundation. It's called the Mama Sarah Obama Foundation. Okay, and this is another one that they created to funnel money on behalf of Obama's step-grandmother in Kenya and transferring funds. 90% of those funds are raised in the U.S. by U.S. individuals and corporations. And guess what they're being used to do? To send Kenyan students to the top three most radical Wahhabi schools in Saudi Arabia. We're supporting that or those people committing to that foundation, right? And Malik is also accused, this is Barack Hussein Obama's brother, he's accused of seducing uh, young girls, and again, a polygamist and all kinds of things. And Obama's half-sister, Maya Sotoro, however you pronounce that, N-G, she stated, and this is a direct quote, my whole family was Muslim which obviously would include her half-brother, Barack. But, but again, you know, that, that's family, right? Maybe, maybe that's just guilt by association, right? Uh, maybe, maybe he chose a different path, you know? I mean, you've heard the classic joke, you know, the one guy said that, hey, you know, family, is, it's, a, it's a mixed blessing, right? Yeah, You're glad yeah. to have one, but it's like receiving a life sentence for the crime you didn't commit, right? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Pastor, I, I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but, you know, let, let me ask you this, because, and I say this often, if I would have stood, and I was down right after 9-11, I was down there with a detective taking me, uh, getting a kind of behind-the-scenes tour of the, the carnage in uh, uh, lower Manhattan. If, if, I was to, if, if I would have turned to that detective and said, you know, it's seven years from now, we, we are going to have a guy by the name of, well, with the middle name Hussein, in the White House, he would have. He would have. He, I'm going to tell you right now. He would have. He would have punched the living. He would have punched my lights out. Because right. there's. So, so where, you know, and I don't want to take you off your stride because the information you're giving is so much. But I, I just, it, it just boggles my mind that in 2008, this country, people were so deluded. Christians were so deluded. People were so deluded. It's okay to have Barack Hussein Obama the second in the White House. By the way, we don't. His name is legally Barry Satoro. We have seen no papers to, to prove otherwise. That birth certificate is nothing but a, 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 a layered piece of garbage. It's it's anecdotal evidence at best. Probably anecdotal evidence of of a, of a of a felony, but that's beside the point. But really, I mean, had we been told in nine twelve two thousand one that that two thousand eight we Barack Hussein Obama would be uh, in the White House, we would ask why? How, where do we lose the war? How do we lose the war? That's all. That's all I'm saying, brother. Sorry. Well, you know, and, and I, I know I agree with you, and I think it's a really sad state of affairs. And I'll just divert a little bit, uh, dovetail off your comment there. And I, I, here in, I, I experienced this in Vegas. It blew me away. It's like, how could this guy ever get into a second term? You got to be kidding me, right? Okay. And as soon as they, uh, the Republicans threw up Romney, I'm going, okay, it's over. Like, really? Number one, that's the best you can do. Number two, he's an, a Mormon. And that's going to split the Christian community down because you can't vote for a Mormon. Mormons are not the same thing as Christianity. That's a whole other topic. But anyway, so he gets in his second term, right? So anyway, so I'm doing a house call here in Vegas. I kid you not. And this lady and, and met her, and and uh, she had visited the, ch- the church here at Sunrise. And so we got to talking, and she says, hey, yeah, I do a Bible study, you know, once a week here at my house. We've got some of the ladies in the neighborhood, and, and across the street from me over there, and she points across the street, and I'm, you know, on her front porch. And, and she said, is a, a pastor's wife, you know, a church here, a Baptist? 
Baptist Church in the area, and uh, they, you know, she comes over too, and she says, to be honest with you, Pastor Billy, she says, uh, um, she says, uh, recently we were over here, and we were talking, and this is shortly after Obama got reelected, right? And uh, she said, just before that, you know, of course, that was a hot topic, you know, who are you going to vote for and all that other stuff. And she, she, that pastor's wife, had voted for Obama in the first term. Like you said, how, you know, how could they be fooled a second time? How could you do it on purpose? And listen to what this lady said. This is a pastor's wife, a pastor's wife. And so the lady said, she goes, well, I mean, surely you're not going to vote for Obama the second time. I mean, obviously, you know, we, a lot of people got snookered the first time, right? But, but now that you know his stance on abortion and murdering children and also with homosexuality and all that stuff, there's no way as a born-again Christian that you would ever vote for him a second time. And without hesitation, the lady said, she says, oh, absolutely, I'm going to vote for him again. What? <laughs> what? This is a pastor's wife. Well, th- this is what's going on in the church. It's not about truth anymore. It's not about the scripture. It's not about what God says. It's anything goes. It's all about self. And, and it's crazy, folks. And that, which, again, you know, I've talked about this before. This is a sign. What's going on not only in the world, but what's going on in the church right now, folks, is a major mega sign that we're living in the last days. Most people don't catch this. They get the wars and the rumors of wars. They get the wickedness, the rise of wickedness, and the and all the stuff that the Scripture is very clear about as a sign you're living in the last days. But the Bible says that the church in the last days, here's going to be a trend. How do you know you're living in the last days? Don't know the day, don't know the hour, but how do you know you're getting close? When you see this trend in the church, Paul talks about this. He said, in the last days, you're going to see the church gather around themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. Okay, they will turn aside from the truth and turn from this. Now, the word there, tickle, tickle your ears, right, is kenetho, and it means only pleasant things. Myth is muthos, and it literally means stories made up. So let me stir that all together in the vernacular for today's language. How do you know you're living the last days? In the church, this is about all you ever, how do you know your last days? When this is about all you ever get from the pulpit anymore. Pleasant things and stories made up. Not the truth. I just yeah. described 95% of the American church. That's a major mega sign that you're in the last days. It's called the apostasy, and we're in high gear. And it's part of the deceit that's being perpetrated on the people of God. And that Jesus, I think it's a, obviously a loaded statement, he said the deceit level on a mass, it's not just uh, one thing, false Christ, false teachers, false teachings, right? It's going to be such high level of deceit. If you're not careful, even the elect could be deceived if you're not careful. Folks, this is the kind of deceit that's going on even in the church. But you mentioned Barack Hussein Obama. Like you said, right? Who could have thought a guy with his name Hussein, right? <laughs> this is another thing we document in our study, right? Is his name, right? It's not Earl Smith. It's not John Jones. It's Barack Hussein Obama, right? Now, what we caught him on, and this is some of the video clips we share, did you know that for some reason... He doesn't like to mention his middle name in certain public areas, non-Muslim areas. But we got him on tape when he's over in Egypt talking to the Muslim community, when he's over there in Dearborn, Michigan, which is now taken over by and large by an Islamic community. He loves to whip out that middle name, and the crowd goes nuts. So, which is very interesting, and and why would that be? Well, uh, the middle name Hussein is a reference to Hussein, H-U-S-A-Y-N, who's the grandson of uh, Muhammad, obviously a Muslim name with Muslim connotations, okay? And it's interesting that you can whip that name out when you're talking to Muslims in Cairo and Muslim-dominated Dearborn, Michigan again, but you can't use it in other places with a non-Muslim crowd. It's very interesting. But then you take a look at this guy and you look at uh, his morality, 
Okay, his morality, folks, uh, is on a whole different level. How in the world could you sit there and say that you're a Christian and do what you're doing? And we got him uh, quoted, and it's his own words. He's saying on news clips, and we put him on the videos. You can see it with your own eyes. But how in the world, we, we actually have him saying, God bless. He, he, acts, he only says that uh, I openly support Planned Parenthood and the murdering of children. Okay, even now it's come out that they're even selling their body parts, etc., blah, blah, blah. But he has gone on tape. And asking for God to bless Planned Parenthood. Yep. How, how could you number one support that as a Christian? Number one. Number two. How could that ever come out of your mouth? God bless Planned Parenthood, who systematically murders millions of babies every single year and sells their body parts to the highest bidder. Are you kidding me? Okay. Now that's just Planned Parenthood. Okay. Then of course we know uh, uh, you know the issue on the homosexual issue. What's going on there? That he came out and he's America's first quote and looking on the uh, the different magazines and everything. You know, America's first gay president and all that stuff. Okay, and and then saying that that's uh, uh, you know, the whole other issue. We, we got if you want to go down deep on that issue, we got a study called a Christian response to the Supreme Court decision. Please get that. Get equipped with yeah. the Bible actually teaches on that. We have a DVD uh, uh, here in the studio, and I have it also at home. Uh, I have not watched it yet, but we've talked a lot about this on our show, and you know with. The Scalia situation that uh, everybody should be familiar with, ju- the death of Justice Scalia. Uh, the president, on the 22nd of February, on the White House website, wrote a SCOTUS blog. Now, he talks about what he expects from the next Supreme Court justice, and interestingly enough, he writes in there, well, the truth of what the Supreme Court justices are there for, and basically their job description. In it, he goes on to state that they're, they are not there to make law. They're there to interpret law. But we've seen the opposite of that. Uh, abort the Roe versus Wade, the uh, homosexual marriage decision. These opinions have become law. And they're, I mean, this was something that the, the founders um, knew. You know, there's a, a, we have checks and balances here in this country. And this is the opposite of checks and balances. Well, absolutely. In fact, uh, if you study our history here in America, uh, we used to base our court rulings on what was called common law that was uh, based on Blackstone's commentaries. If you ever seen Blackstone commentaries, oh, yeah. and this is right, what, what's it based on? Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse. It's all Bible verses, right? Uh, in fact, you, you know, have fun trying to get your hands on one of these. But in fact, uh, even uh, Webster's Dictionary, the first ones, he had his own personal testimony in it, how he became a Christian, received Jesus as a Savior, and he'd even cite Bible verses in the dictionary. But that's all been cleaned out. But what happened, one of the big uh, opinions uh, in our court system is we switched from common law to what was called case law. Now, case law is basically, you don't go back to the Bible to decipher what does the Bible say? What does God say about this issue? Is it right? Is it wrong? Because God is the ultimate judge. That's how it used to be for a long time in the country. Well, these guys came in, they snookered us, and they switched to what's called case law. And this is why you hear, you know, all over the place, people don't go to the Bible to discern what's right and wrong. They go, well, what did such and such case rule on? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, well, that's man's version. Right? I don't care. Who cares what man says? I want to know what God says. And so basically, once you got away from common law and you went to case law, then that's why you see lawyers with so many books on the deal, because it's all a bunch of cases. And that's the trick. That's the game. If you want to worm your way around and find a loophole, then you don't go back to what is right, what is wrong, the source of truth, i.e. the Bible. Then you go and you find, well, in 1827, there was a case that ruled in favor, blah, blah, blah. So you can't do this. Blah. That's how it's ruled, which basically relegates rulings based on man's personal opinions, right back to your opening statement. 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely correct. And, that, and that's complete opposite way, um, that the, the way it should, from the way it should be done. Back to the issue of the churches. The churches today, um, as we talked about, are, you know, many of the churches today are presenting a false, a false gospel. And it is being, uh, preached by spiritually blind pastors to congregations who, and it's being embraced by these congregations without them themselves reaching for their Bibles and studying the heart of the matter, studying what the Lord says about the matter. So we have this false Jesus, this false gospel, whether it's the prosperity gospel or the seeker-friendly churches, the the tickling ears churches that we were talking about during the break, um, that have created these churches in order to to please the minds of men instead of convict them of their sin. These churches are conforming to the, the wickedness of the world, and whether knowingly or unknowingly through doing this, they are preaching a, a Luciferian uh, doctrine. And through this doctrine and this Luciferian agenda comes the you know ecumenical movement and the interfaith movement. And what it is doing, it is preparing a way for the unification of faiths for the Antichrist. Now, many people, and I'm going to venture off here into left field a little bit, you know, will say, well, uh, the current pope is a false prophet and the president is the Antichrist. Uh, and, you know, we see that biblical prophecy is unfolding before our eyes, um, basically on a day-to-day basis. In the book of Daniel, it talks about how Egypt will be overthrown, Libya will be overthrown, and Ethiopia will be at its doorsteps. We see the lawlessness of our current government. We see the... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the statue, the head of gold, uh, the legs of iron, and we're getting down to the very end of time when Jesus comes back and um, demolishes the statue and sets up his everlasting kingdom here on earth. What would your be? What would your advice be to pastors out there and to congregants who uh, pastors for one who are looking uh, a, for a way to to I don't want to say uh, please their congregation, but to to preach the true unadulterated gospel without running into uh, offending people or is that something that they're going to have to learn to deal with and then two what would your advice be to congregants uh, in terms of how to judge if their pastor is actually giving them the true gospel yeah well number one pastors uh, frankly uh, if you won't preach the whole counsel of God which is what the Bible says you, you know in season out of season right uh, then I'm sorry you need to quit Go, go pick peaches, go change tires, go get a different vocation. Uh, and besides being a pastor, is not a job, it's a calling. And if you won't preach the truth, get out of there, all right? Go do something else. Uh, because if you are going to preach, and if you are called, you have to preach God's truth, right? You know, the prophets say, woe unto me if I don't preach. You know, it's like a fire burning up my bones. And if you don't have a fire to preach God's truth, maybe you're not called to be a pastor, right? Number two, you're right. You better, uh, when you preach the truth, truth has never been popular. Jesus said they hated him because he preached the truth, right? And if they hate him, they're going to hate us. You're going to be persecuted, right? What you also say, you know, in the Beatitudes, Matthew, you say, hey, you know, people are going to, in the, they're going to falsely accuse you, say, call you evil and, and do all kinds of rotten things and persecute you. And he says what? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is reward in heaven. Why? Because in the same way they treated the prophets of old. They did the same thing, right? Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. Anybody who preaches the truth, God's truth, it's never been popular. Truth has never been popular. Even the lost, uh, when you preach the cross, the only way to, to heaven, uh, the lost considers it, the scripture says, an offense. 
And it, what, what are you talking about? I got it. You know, I'm yeah. not good enough to get to heaven. Blah blah blah. So, welcome to the club, right? So, and so, chalk it up. Deal with it. This is not some country club, right? And it's not time to be some sort of a namby pamby pastor. In fact, I remember one guy. It's one of my favorite things. If you, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll quote this. Uh, you know, and, you know, this is the problem that we have uh, with unfortunately a lot of folks today. You just you got to get a backbone, right? You know, he yeah. says this, he says, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness will not be in danger because someone said a 30-second prayer before a football game. What's the big deal? It's not like somebody's up there reading the entire book of Acts. They're just talking to God in whom they believe and asking him to grant safety to the players on the field and the fans going home for the game. Oh, but what about the atheists? What about them? Nobody's asking them to be baptized. We're not going to pass the collection plate. Just humor us for 30 seconds. Is that asking too much? Bring a Walkman, a pair of earplugs, go to the bathroom, visit the concession stand, call your lawyer. Unfortunately, one or two <laughs> will make that call. One or two will tell tens of thousands of Americans what they can and cannot do. Oh, but it's a Christian prayer, some will argue. Well, yeah, this is the United States of America, a country founded on Christian principles. According to every phone book, Christian churches outnumber all others 200 to 1. So what would you expect? Somebody uh, chanting Hare Krishna? If I went to a football game in Jerusalem, I'd expect to hear a Jewish prayer. If I went to a soccer game in Baghdad, I'd expect to hear a Muslim prayer. If I went to a ping-pong match in China, I'd expect to hear a Buddha prayer. But this is the United States of America, so why are we shocked when we hear a Christian prayer? Our parents and grandparents taught us to pray, and our Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Now a handful of people and their lawyers are telling us to cease from praying, and whatever you do, stop mentioning the name of Jesus. And he says, God, help us. And if that last sentence offends you, sue me. He says, the silent majority has been silent too long, and it's high time we tell the one or two who scream loud enough that the vast majority doesn't care what they want. It's time the majority rules. It's time that we tell them you don't have to pray. You don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't have to believe in God or attend services that honor him. That is your right, and we will honor your right. But by golly, you are no longer going to take our rights away. We're fighting back, and we will win. And it's this kind of backbone that, frankly, pastors need to get. And you need to be prepared to lose your job. Yeah. Right? Deal with it. And if you understand our nation's history, this was the secret of what was called the genius of America. And this is the classic quote by Alexis de Tocqueville, right? America, in her heyday, Christian nation, right? After the revolution, he, he said that he came over to the United States because everybody's going, what is going on with this young upstart country? How come they're so successful? How could they take on England and whoop the pants off the greatest nation at that time on the planet? How, what, what's going on? What, what's the secret? And listen to what he did. He came over here to America, and here's what he said. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I looked for it in her fertile fields and boundless prairies. It was not there. I looked for it in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, but it was not there. Listen to this. He said, here's the secret. He says, it was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. He said, America is great because America is good. But if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And part of the lack of greatness in our country is because pastors won't preach the truth. The secret to our country were pastors were willing to put it all on the line, even their lives on the line, and preach the truth. Why? Because the truth is what sets people free. The truth is what dispels back the darkness and the lies and the deceit. Deceit cannot prosper with the people who know their scripture and the scripture when it's taught, because God's truth sets people free. But we don't have that anymore. So if you're a pastor, quote-unquote, and you refuse to preach God's truth, you need to resign. Can I be blunt? Get out of there. Go do something else. Do yourself, do your congregation a favor, resign. Okay, and by the way, you will stand accountable to God. You will. The Scripture says, teachers, i.e. a pastor, you're under a double judgment. 
You're going to stand for God, not only what you taught, but what you deliberately refuse to teach on. Now, this is what bugs me, too, because there's another trend in the church today that refuses to teach on Bible prophecy, right? Yeah, very Now, that's very prevalent. concerning. Yeah, very concerning to me, number one, because I think it's part of it is spiritual warfare. Because, right? I mean, because if you're the Antichrist, right, what's the last book you want people into when you're getting really close to pulling off the Antichrist kingdom? Common sense, right? It's the Bible, yeah. and certainly Bible prophecy. Because the Bible is the only book on the planet that tells in minute detail what the game plan is. So keep people out of that, right? It's one thing for the world to do that, because they don't know. But this is being done in the church. It's gone so bad that in church today that people have now twisted it and said, oh no, you're not one of those people, are you? I don't, I don't come to church services to hear doom and gloom. Doom, excuse me? Bible prophecy is news that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, whom you say you love, and you should be longing for his appearing, Bible prophecy is all news that he's coming back to get us. Since when is that doom and gloom? Unless, of course, you love this world, and you worship idols, the things of this world, which shows that the love of the Father is not in you, the Scripture says. Maybe that's the case. Okay, but, but by also, back to the pastor issue. How could you sit there and say you're teaching all the Bible when, listen, one-third of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, deals directly or indirectly with Bible prophecy? First coming of Jesus, second coming of Jesus, last days, you know, uh, uh, Daniel, what's going on, the seven-year tribulation, the millennial kingdom, the state of eternity, etc. You're skipping over one-third of the Bible. You're going to stand accountable for God for that. Okay, number one. Now, you mentioned this part two to the question. What do you do <clears throat> if you're a Christian and you're in a church that refuses to teach the Scripture? Let me be blunt with you, too, because I get phone calls on this literally every single week from around the country and around the world. Run. Get out of there. Run. Right? But you know what? The church is so conditioned uh, to choose convenience and so self-centered today that people will stay at a church even though they know it's apostate, even though they know they're not getting the truth. You know why? Well, because my friends are there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So? Or, or, you know, they really have good potlucks. Or, or they got great programs for our kids. Well, hello, if you're not getting the truth as an adult, do you think the kids are getting it? They're probably getting something even worse. And you don't even know because you're not paying attention, unfortunately. Run, right? Get out of there. And I tell yeah. people today, because again, we get we get phone calls. I'm not kidding, guys. I'm not saying this to boast or anything, but we get people uh, all, every week, man, phone calls, emails, same thing, Facebook messages, you name it. Pastor Billy can't find out the church. Pastor Billy, do you know the church in my area? Pastor Billy, do you know? I says, guys, I'm sorry. I says, I said, first of all, be encouraged. You're not alone. We get these kind of contacts virtually every week. You're not alone. The reason why this is happening, because we're living in the last days, and one of the signs we're in the last days is you're going to see the church go down the tubes. And that's what's happening. That's why it's so hard to find a healthy church today. And specifically, the reason why you're not getting the truth is because that's a sign of uh, what the Scripture says you're in the last days. You're getting the tickle the ears and a bunch of stories made up. Okay? That's why you're not getting the truth. But that doesn't mean you've got to stay there. And I said, but I can't find one. I says, well, here, here's what you've got to do. You're not alone. Right? This is happening all over the world all at the same time. Okay? But there is a way out, and that way out is this. <clears throat> I tell them you've got to be prepared to do two things, drive or move. You know, it's kind of funny. With all due respect, we get some people here in, in Vegas. Vegas is a pretty uh, good-sized city, over, over 2 million people, but it's really spread out, right? And we'll have people visit. The, hey, Pastor Bill, I heard you on the radio, or 
TV or whatever, you know, and we do all kinds of uh, stuff. And and so they say, and just want to come check it out. Wow, this is great. You know, and and this is here in Vegas. And they'll say, well, you know, I just, uh, I just, uh, you know, would love to come here on a regular basis, but I, you know, I live way out in, you know, uh, Henderson or I live out in Summerlin or, you know, on the outskirts of Vegas and, you know, which is about 25, 30 minutes away. And they say, you know, I just, I don't know if I can drive that far. (laughs) And at first I used to like, oh, wow, okay. But I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if it's, old age or what but i'm getting or the spirit of bluntness <laughs> but but my common response now is this <clears throat> number one excuse me jesus christ our lord and savior walked all the way down to calgary suffering bruised beaten murdered on our behalf and you can't drive a half hour are you serious you can't drive an hour i don't care if you had to drive to, we have people that actually drive here to services over an hour and a half one way. Why? Because you're going to get the truth. Because there's something more important than some gas or your convenience. Or I might have to get up a little earlier. Excuse me? Jesus went to the cross for you. You can't... It, it, how, could you even really call that sacrifice? No, right? and that's part of the, the, the apostate church today. Um, and David Wilkerson is, is somebody I've studied a lot of his teachings. And he does some sermons on these seeker-friendly churches, and he talks about the issue of, you know, uh, basically what they've done. They've created a model, and they've asked different congregants what they would like out of their church service, then built a model based on what the the congregants would like. And, you know, what he said is, you know, music, uh, basically coffee and donuts, and, you know, make sure it's under an hour. We, as Christians today, have... uh, and this is just on, on Sunday church services. We have moved away from the focusing our eyes on Jesus every second of the day. Like when Peter was walking on the water with Jesus, he had his eyes focused on, on the Lord. And as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he, he fell in, in the water. And we have to live our life like that because it's not a Sunday thing. It's not a, you know, every weekend, uh, at church time, this is when we pick up our, our, belief and we leave it at the door when we go home it has to be an all-or-nothing thing and our country has become lukewarm in the churches not the secular part but the churches and people are looking to the churches as an example of christianity and they're seeing this apostate church and it's no wonder they're not becoming a part of it or or wanting nothing to do with it absolutely you know at all um and, and it's just a shame to see that well, it is, and I think part of it, too, is the Christians uh, responding to uh, personal comfort and ease uh, is part of the problem. You know, so, you know, so on, on the one hand, I tell Christians, hey, here's the good news. You, you can still find a healthy church. We're, you know, we're not the only ones. There's other faithful shepherds who will do it, but it's not going to come easy anymore. You can't say, well, I'm just going to go five minutes to the left, and I'll find another one. That's not the case anymore, right? I can't even, I can't even uh, um, recommend a denomination. Forget that, right? It doesn't mean nothing. Right? Right. Just because a denomination has a doctrinal statement doesn't mean they honor it. And I tell them you have to go on an individual-by-individual individual basis. Right? It's a lot more work, but you can get it done. You pray. God will lead you where you need to go. Right? But be prepared to drive. Or here's another one. Move. Move. Well, the, I have to quit my job. Well, get another job. What, what's more important? God's truth, growing up for Him, we're living the last days, what's the logical response? Get equipped as a Christian and live for Jesus and get the gospel out. That's called plan A. It's, it's always been plan A. There's never been a plan B. That's the same plan as the early church. What did the early church do? 
follow Jesus. What's he say to do? Grow up in him and live a holy life and share the gospel? And it's still the same thing. So you can have a healthy church today. It's not going to come easy, but you're going to have to drive or move. The the other thing I tell people, too, is because they'll say, yeah, you know, I'd love to come here, but, you know, the drive or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then I'll I'll flip it around. I say, okay, so you just told me that you are going to a church service, but you acknowledge that it's an apostate one, that basically they refuse to preach the whole counsel of God, and they skip over topics, and, and you really don't even get meat or truth. It's just a bunch of learn how to be a better you and how to be financially successful, blah, 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 blah. It's like, uh, it's, yeah. I says, do you realize the reason why these guys get to keep going is because of people like you, with all due respect? Because your attendance there, Giving them and investing your time, your treasure, your talents, your tongue is helping to keep them going. If every born-again Christian who knew they were a part of an apostate church, a fluffy church that's not getting the truth, if they would make an exodus and they would support the handful of churches that are still preaching God's truth, those guys would go belly up. But the reason why they continue to exist and continue to propagate that baloney is because people like you refuse to do any kind of sacrifice because your Christianity is a convenience Christianity and is so far removed from the scriptural example. Pastor, if I can slip in a kind of a sideways question here. You know what I've noticed here in these times? Now, I, more, more, admittedly, I, I, even though I graduated from a seminary, okay, a Catholic seminary, and of course, I'm not Catholic anymore. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed in the uh, and correct my terminology, please. One thing I've noticed in the charismatic church, the evangelical church, you and others preach the word and and preach the, the unvarnished truth. I mean, you you really hit it hard. Why? And, and I'm, I'm really struggling to formulate this question so it's coherent. I've noticed this increase within the church, the evangelical church, of this infighting. Now, has it always been there, or and I'm just waking up to it, or is this on the rise? And the reason I'm asking this is, if this is on the rise, is this part of... Um, uh, is this part of some bigger operation or bigger plan or, uh, you know, bigger deception? And, and the reason I'm saying is this, and this is really has nothing, nothing major to do with us, but we may say something, bring somebody on like yourself and, and you're teaching the word and you're, and you're just doing everything right. But maybe there's an issue. One thing that you might, you might make a mistake or slip up on or anybody, whatever you guessed. And it seems like there's this, this, this need for Christians to devour one another. Okay. And I know this kind of sideways and a little bit off topic, but since you're talking about churches and congregations, is this something that, that that's, what's going on within, within the church? And despite the distilled, honest, truthful message, um, where, where there, there's Christians eating Christians is, I guess that's my question. And is it relevant? Well, I, I think uh, one of the reasons why you're seeing uh, certain elements of the church divided is because, again, you got the church that's preaching the truth, and you got the church that's not. So you're going to have a division there. It, they're bound to clash, right? Uh, number two, as far as Christians eating, you know, it's, it's a classic uh, uh, eating their each other, so to speak. Uh, it's a classic uh, axiom that you know the church is the only quote institution that shoots their wounded. 
right? <laughs> and okay. what I've learned over the years is unfortunate, and I've watched this happen, and it breaks my heart. Uh, because, um, first of all, no two Christians are going to agree on every single secondary issue. Now, notice the, the catchphrase there, secondary issue, right? Christians, salvation you know, issues versus right, non-salvation. Salvific issues, salvation, do you got the right Jesus? He's the only way to heaven. Do you understand who he really is, Jesus, God? The Bible is our source of authority, etc. Secondary issues are basically like maybe the eschatology, right? Your position on the rapture or certain gifts, you know, or sign gifts or are they all for today? You know, those are secondary issues. You don't have to have a certain position on those to be saved. They're secondary issues. Uh, sometimes it comes up over translation issues and things of that nature. Okay, but what I've noticed is, and it breaks my heart, because here you have Christians we're on target, man. We believe in the Word of God. We believe that Jesus is the only way, right? We got the right God. We got the right Jesus. We got the right way to heaven. We got the right command. And then all of a sudden, oh, but if you disagree on this little side issue, right? And and, and to me, I, I just think it's spiritual warfare, right? Because what that does is it keeps us from working together. And it's Thank called you. divide and conquer, yeah, right? Right. It's divide and conquer. It's a, it's a classic act of the enemy. So here's a whole lot of Christians, because I think there's still a lot of good spiritual Christians, even here in the United States. Oh, but if you disagree with me on this secondary issue, it's not just you disagree. I mean, listen to some of the comments. I had one guy, it was just this week, he not only said that I work for Satan, but I'm going to the lake of fire on a secondary <sighs> issue. And I'm going, okay. whoa. I mean, it's one thing to disagree, but, but here's an axiom in church history. It's called this. A mark of maturity... You want to demonstrate your maturity as a Christian? A mark of maturity is to agreeably disagree on secondary issues, yet not divide. You should be able to, as a Christian, doesn't mean you can't ask questions, doesn't mean that you can't debate. But when, the, when, when it's over, and you probably haven't convinced me and I haven't convinced you, and when we both get to heaven, God will probably set us both straight. <laughs> but it's a secondary issue. We should be able to demonstrate our maturity as Christians we're not going to divide because you know what? That's not the main issue. The main issue, do you got the right Jesus, the only way to heaven, who he is, the authority of the scripture, and guess what? There's bigger fish to fry. There's people dying and going straight to hell, and you mean to tell me we're going to have a knockdown drag out again? It's not like we haven't talked about this before. Are you serious? We're going to spend another 17 hours going at it when we could be spending 17 hours? You know, we've already demonstrated you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change yours. It's a secondary issue. Can we drop it now? Can we get back to the task at hand, the Great Commission? Can we get busy working together, sharing the gospel? There's people all around us dying and going straight to hell. Don't you care? And I think sometimes, too, these secondary issues are subtle issues to keep Christians to, as an excuse so they won't share the gospel. And, and so it's like, so you've been here. Here's a scary stat. Did you know that 95%, this is the latest stat I came across, 95% of people who profess to be Christians, 95% have never once led a soul to Christ. Are you serious? Never once? Not once? You've never led one person to Christ? Why? That's frightening. That's frightening. Well, wow. It is. And so, you, well, what, and I think what I've learned is sometimes I think it's a really convenient thing. See, you think you're demonstrating your maturity by having, you, you, and everybody's got their little pet peeve, little pet peeve secondary issue, right? And you're a master of it, and, right? And you can debate anybody into the ground and all that stuff. And then again, we, we can debate. I, I can talk about it. But we should be able to talk about it and yet not divide because it's a secondary issue, right? Because you and I need to work together to get the gospel because people are going to hell. 
Do you understand it? Hell is real. This is not a game. And God is, if you're thankful for your salvation, right, and we agree on the only way is, let's work together. And by the way, the enemy must be laughing his guts off at us. Are you kidding me? Because that's, that's two Christians now who refuse to work with each other when they could and share the gospel. It's divide and conquer. It's another way to just weaken the church. I think, in a nutshell, it's spiritual warfare. And the enemy is having a heyday. Hey, if you disagree, you disagree. But you know what? Let's get busy sharing the gospel. There's something more important than the secondary issue. There's souls yeah, that need to be saved you. and one for him. And that's the statistic that you gave, 95% of Christians, to me. Um, I guess that really says it all. Because, you know, if you're too busy, what I call ankle biters, if you're too busy arguing over secondary issues or, or too busy calling out other faults, you know, of, of people attempting to do the right thing, then you don't have time to, to bring people to, to, to salvation, to Jesus. You just don't have time for that. And, you know, it just, I, and Pastor, I'm not, I don't want to take your time off, but I look over the landscape here, the geopolitical landscape, the things that we're fighting today, and, and I just shake my head and wonder, where do these people have time? Where do the Christians have, do, do Christians really think we have time? To argue over things, I mean, um, secondary issues. Do people, do Christians really believe in their heart that they're doing God's work by tearing others down? Um, and, and you know, it's it's personal to me, personal to me to some extent, because we're often the brunt of a lot of of hatred, as you are. But uh, yeah, but but your your answers tonight, and folks, I hope you. I hope everyone listening to this program, and I do mean everyone, if you know what I mean, I hope you heard Pastor Crone. And I'm about ready to pick up sticks and move out to Vegas and attend his church, just to attend his church. Well, we can do it virtually on Sundays. Well, through his website. you got you got you got to rub elbows with him. And I got an email here, Pastor, that you got two people in uh, your area saying I'm going to be there at your church. Oh, praise is. God! So yeah, that's great. Well, let me follow up one one real quick thing, and this is what I learned too. Um, typically when, uh, you know, cause again, as Christians, we should be able to discuss anything, right? And, and bring Absolutely. up our point of view from the scripture. And so it's not that you can't ask questions. I'm not saying that. Of course not. But again, a mark of maturity is to agreeably disagree on secondary issues, not divide. And what my standard reply now with a lot of folks is, you know, okay, so now, okay, we're going to talk about this again. Okay, now, now before we talk about this, because we've already invested, this is the 15th time that you and I have gone around on this. You haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed your, yours on a secondary issue, by the way. Not salvific, secondary. Here's typically my response. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, maybe I'll invest another half hour in this conversation, even though it's pretty obvious we're both stuck in our positions. Um, but before we do that, can we talk about something that I think would be much more fruitful for the kingdom? Number yeah, one, we're, let's we're talk, the let's the talk about... Break. Pastor, oh. uh, we're coming. We're coming up to the top of the hour. that timing in just one one minute. So if you want to uh, hold hold over to the next hour, uh, okay, we can sure. get into that right on the other side. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we got less than sixty seconds of the break, folks. You're listening to Pastor Billy Crone. His website is getalifemedia.com. Getalifemedia.com. Bookmark the uh, the website. Sign up for his newsletter. Check out some of the audio and video content. He's got a lot of his documentaries for sale, but they're also available uh, for free to watch on his website. And I would urge everybody to do that. And also, join me on Sunday morning at 1045 to watch his live church service. Uh, I look forward to doing that this Sunday. I think that's going to be an awesome thing. I don't do that enough. And as the pastor said, many people leave their church. I was one person who left my church a few years ago. 
It was a Presbyterian church. They accepted homosexual clergy in marriage before the Supreme Court ruling it ever came down. But either way, uh, I couldn't stay in a church like that. If I start driving now, I can make it to Sunday <laughs> service. Uh, I don't know. Well, as fast as you drive, very possible. Folks, we'll be right back with Pastor Billy Crone. GetAlifeMedia.com right after this. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we are joined by Pastor Billy Crone, getalifemedia.com. You know, I, I just love that name, Get a Life Media. How many times have I wanted to say, just get a life, two people? You, you know, in, well, in some, most of the, most of the times, not in love. And I'll, not, I'll admit that I'm a sinner. I need to repent. However, you know, sometimes, in love, get a life, because sometimes we really need to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, in fact, what Pastor Billy Crone is, is giving us uh, today. And I just, if I can give a shout-out, I had such a great time. You weren't there, you missed a job. I think you were, I, I don't know what you were doing. I was you, getting signatures from <clears> the... Um, oh, this, oh this. that's right. You, you Okay. But uh, to talk with Billy Crone, Pastor Billy Crone, in my mind, to sit there and have a conversation with him, was one of the the greatest. I mean, it was a highlight of my of my weekend at Dallas at here the Washington Conference because he is such a just a gift. Really, he's a gift. And if I lived like if he, if he was my neighbor, I'd be over at his house every single day. Okay, <laughs> he's an easy guy to get along with, an easy guy to talk to, and a, a knowledgeable man. And I just I really respect this man, Pastor Billy Crone, Good Life Media. And please, folks, visit and support his efforts and ministry, and his support what he does in any way possible. We we, we certainly back Pastor Billy Crone. Pastor Crone, before the break, you were talking about something when we so rudely interrupted you. So if you want to continue with that. 
Yeah, basically back to the issue of the uh, secondary issues. And again, the market maturity uh, is to agreeably disagree on secondary issues, not divide. Because there's bigger fish to fry, people are dying and going straight to hell. And we need to work together as Christians and and uh, go down swinging for Jesus, you know, that he come back and find his faithful and not arguing over secondary issues. Uh, so, and but anyway, so but what I do now, a common practice, you know, it, it, you know, if, if it's the first time I've talked about a secondary issue with somebody, hey, let's 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 talk about it, right? Second time, third time, but if we're into like, okay, are you serious? Number ten, we're fifteen times now. We're talking about this. You haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed yours. Okay, maybe I'll engage again. Maybe I'll invest another half hour or hour, or whatever. But before we do that, and here's typically what I ask. I said, let me let's 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 talk about two questions first. As Christians, because, you know, we want good fellowship, and that's what we're supposed to do, to encourage one another, spur each other on towards good deeds, as Scripture says, you know, as the day approaches. And so uh, let's let's talk about these two questions first. Then, then maybe we'll get into that secondary issue again. Okay, number one, how's your walk with Jesus Christ? Is it holy? Is it reflective of Him? Number two, this week, how many people have you led to Jesus? Can we talk about that? Oh, no, 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 no. See, this is why I think sometimes it's escapism, Christian escapism. It's a whole lot easier to talk about that secondary issue than to see how your life is doing. Mm-hmm. Is it reflecting? Be ye holy as I am holy, right? And by the way, it's not about you. Scripture says it's not about you. You've been bought with a price. It's not even your life. It belongs to Jesus now. We're his hands, his feet, his eyes. And he's told us to get out there. It's not the great suggestion. It's the, uh, a great commission. Right? Get out there as his hands and feet, his mouthpiece, his eyes, his ears, and get busy sharing the gospel. Let's talk about that. I'll blow an hour on that easy. Right? Uh, but again, I think it's just sad because, again, it keeps us from being divided from the task at hand. This could be the greatest spiritual revival in the history of the church. We have technology at our fingertips that the early church must have. Uh, would probably roll over in their graves if they see what we have at our fingertips. Such ease to share the gospel around the world 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, relatively inexpensive. We should be working together. There should be so many souls being saved that 95% number should be reversed. Okay? But it's not. Because we're playing games and we're falling for spiritual warfare. Uh, But uh, anyway, so that's my spiel. Okay. Thank you. Th- thank you for addressing that issue, and I really appreciate the spirit in which you address that. Now, if, if we can t- kind of go back to something, this is, uh, Pastor, this is something that I believe, and I always say on, on our programs, that America has been captured from within. I truly believe that we have been captured from within by a globalist agenda, by a globalist Luciferian elite power structure, but part of that and an integral part of that is Islam because at the beginning of the program and um, by the way folks uh, Pastor Crone is, is generously giving us a lot of his time he uh, more time than he actually had uh, and I just want to say thank you publicly to him and one more thing Pastor Crone this is kind of a side note here uh, Larry says hello he attends your, your church um and he wanted me to say that you are the you're the best. You, you said, uh, Pastor Crone. For anyone you know, anyone doubting this program, Pastor Crone preaches what he should what should be preached, and uh, he wants to thank you for being the true watchman, Larry. He, he's coming. He'll be seeing you shortly. So, anyway, so uh, fantastic. So, but so having said the fact that we've been captured from within. We've got, we've got Muslim infiltration. 
just like we had communist infiltration back during the McCarthy days in the House on American Activities, two separate things, um, by the way. And McCarthy was correct with respect to the communist infiltration. Now we've got Muslim infiltration that's actually a communistic type system. Can we address that as well as anything remaining about uh, Barry Satoro and his his people? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Islamization of America, you're absolutely right. And that's a great analogy with the communism coming over here. Uh, of course, today we don't call it communism, we call it socialism, but it's the same thing. But that's another topic. Uh, but it's already happened. I tell people, listen, what's happening in Europe is not coming to America. It's already here. And there's already been beheadings here in America, and a lot more than just a literal only hand few, a handful that's made it here. Uh, over in Sweden right now, there's a, a rape epidemic. One out of four women will be raped, will be raped. I mean, can you imagine your, your teenage daughter growing up? And i got a teenage daughter. Can you imagine telling her, hey, honey, well, welcome to this country, and uh, hey, if uh, you and your four friends, one of you is going to get it. Uh, that's just a part of life. Welcome to life. Uh, that's what's going on. But that's, it's already happening here in America. It's being covered up. Now, in our study, uh, Islam, Religion, War, and Peace, uh, we expose all this. And let me, let me just share with you just some, just some of the things. And we showed the actual news clips. A lot of them are, you're not going to find it on the major news uh, sources, uh, but we got the local news clips and things of that nature. This is really what's going on around the United States. There's already, it's not coming, there already is an invasion. And what's making it worse is now the onslaught with the immigration issue. But there's already here, let me give you several examples. Because it's everywhere, folks. It's in the government. There's been an invasion in our government, in the court system, in the schools, in the media, etc. But let me just give you some of the examples. Now, courts of law. Right now, remember we talked before at the opening uh, of the broadcast about Sharia law, right? You disagree with them, you get your hands chopped off, or if you steal, your feet chopped off. You say anything bad about Muhammad, the Quran, or Allah, you're you're dead. You you turn away from Islam, you're dead. You witness to somebody and they turn away from Islam, you're dead. You know, you marry a Muslim lady, you're dead. You know, it, it's horrid stuff, right? Well, they're already infiltrating into our court systems because they are not going to submit to the Bill of Rights, the Constitution of the United States of America, or our legal court system, they want to bring in Sharia law. And they're in there, they're buying off politicians, they're buying off judges, and this is what's going on. In fact, there's already a number of court cases, because there are some states that are trying to put up uh, bills to ban Sharia law. But guess who's in there fighting against it? These Muslim groups are in there campaigning with politicians to uh, not sponsor and support such bills. Okay? In fact, uh, uh, several uh, conservative states uh, ha- have, have been able to pass uh, Sharia law limiting uh, legislation, but only after watering them down, not to even mention the word Sharia. So they're, they're already infiltrating, keeping people from not allowing the ultimate goal. The goal of Islam is global domination for Allah. We have to get that straight. Until you understand that, you're not dealing with reality. Now, that's just the court system. That's just one tiny, 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 tiny example. Okay, that we share. We share a lot of examples on our study. Uh, school system. Man, this is crazy uh, what's going on. Uh, so, uh, I'm just going to give you a smattering of some. Uh, Amer- right now, believe it or not, in American schools, and some of you listening, you might have already had to deal with this. American schools right now are holding Islamic prayers towards Mecca, right? And, and this is part, some of their homework assignments, Okay. In America, now, now remember, what, what, what's the thing they're saying in public schools? Oh, keep religion out, which basically the reality is it's keep Christianity out because anything else goes. 
including witchcraft and Satanism and all kinds of other stuff. But right now, in America, American schools, certain schools are holding Islamic prayers towards Mecca, okay? Uh, some universities in America are building Muslim-only washing facilities. Some schools in America are celebrating Muslim holidays, and they're even axing to make room for the Muslim holidays. Uh, certain uh, U.S. holidays, like Veterans Day, that's a mockery. Okay, uh, some schools right now, I, folks, check this out. This is all—it's there if you want to look at it. Um, uh, some schools in America are now reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in Arabic, replacing "One Nation Under God" with "One Nation Under Allah." In fact, we have on our uh, the eighth uh, study that we have on our uh, DVD set on Islam, uh, we interviewed three different guys. And one of them, we flew in a pastor from um, Tennessee and brought him into the studio. And because he found out uh, uh, that his daughter was being taught Islam in the, the school system. And so he found wind of it and, and, you know, was trying to get people equipped and what, what their children were being taught because they're very secret about it. We, we got this on tape, a personal testimony, in, in Tennessee, you know. And uh, so basically what happened is it was a part of the Common Core curriculum, these particular textbooks, which the only way he can get the textbooks, and he brought them on the set, and we got them filmed, and you could see the actual textbook. He spent 150 bucks out of his own pocket. He found he was able to find them online somewhere, okay? And these, because he couldn't get his hands on the textbooks from his daughter in school, you know why? Talk about sneaky. And he exposed this. That school there, teaching kids Islam, which, by the way, the textbook had 30 pages on Islam. 30 pages on Islam. You know how many pages they had on Christianity or Judaism? Zero. This is in America schools today, folks. Okay? So the reason why he couldn't get his hands on his daughter's textbooks is because what the school was doing is they hand the textbooks out. This is going on as we speak, folks. Hand the textbooks out, teaching them about Islam. And when the class was over, the students had to hand the textbooks back in before they left. Right, and then they would also give the students supplemental homework, and he exposed this whole thing. So we get an interview with him, and uh, they would do a supplemental test, like further, like you know, practice your Muslim name, and and you know, wear a you know a Muslim garb, and you know, pray towards Mecca and all this other stuff, and and the the supplemental come, and of course it was on the internet, but you could only uh, access it. Uh, with a special password that they got from the school. Well, first of all, how many parents are even engaged in their kids' activities, right, that they would do that? And how many parents would even have access to that special password? Which, by the way, he finally got to hold the password, but I think that semester was over and that password was no longer good anymore. So he couldn't even access that. But anyway, it's crazy, folks. This is what's going on in our school system. Now, in our government, okay, this is crazy, okay, our government, you have people like, uh, guess who? That's right, Barack Hussein Obama. And uh, he uh, certainly can't seem to find much time to uh, go to a Christian church service. And we actually have uh, Michelle uh, Obama on tape with Michael Strahan. This was recent. And he actually asked her about, you know, their level of Christianity. And it was like, you know, for Easter Resurrection Day services. And he says, well, where could we find the Obamas? This is on tape, folks. you got to see it. Where could we find the Obamas on any given Sunday? She said, well, you know, the girls are busy with school, and we look at Sundays as, you know, pretty much our downtime. And and uh, and so he, he pipes back. So basically, any given Sunday, we could find the Obama family lounge around and relaxing on a Sunday. And she agreed. 
And it's like, oh, so that's your level of Christianity. Now, the irony is that's your so-called level of Christianity, okay, which is apparently you don't go to church services, or as one guy puts it, you go to uh, the Church of St. Mattress with Pastor I.B. Snooze and other bedside sheets assembly. <laughs> In other words, you never go, but somehow you're still a Christian, right? But, but um, at the same time, that's your so-called level of Christianity, but you find time, Mr. President, you find time to go to an Islamic mosque, this is what recently, this didn't happen that long ago, and that had clear ties with the Muslim Brotherhood. Yep. What? What are you doing? Right? What, what's going on? Folks, we're being deceived. But he's not the only one. In fact, if we, and we expose this on our study again, uh, Obama, not only does he mock Christians and Christianity at the National uh, Day of Prayer and the uh, Easter Prayer Breakfast, etc., blah, 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 okay, he, he used those times, if, if he at- would attend these events, but he uses them to mock Christianity, say, well, get off your high horse if you guys think these Muslims are persecuting, uh, you know, you're guilty of persecution. Too. What? Complete mockery. Okay. Oh, but but at the same time, uh, you find plenty of time, and you speak glowingly of the Ramadan celebrations at the White House, and you not only mock the Bible. We got that on tape. Okay, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount got that on tape. But at the same time, every time you talk about the Quran, it's not just the Quran; it's the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran, the Holy. It, what is going on here? And, and it isn't just the present, folks. We have again one whole study that just goes down the evidence trail. Okay, is uh, Obama a Muslim? And just take a look at me. Anyway, um, but uh, the government, we, we have also, we have congressmen being sworn in using the Quran. Folks, this is happening in our government. In our Thomas system, Jefferson. Though, Thomas Jefferson was sworn in on the Quran. Yeah, exactly. But even recently, there was another guy, a U.S. congressman, Keith Ellison, and uh, a Muslim, and that's, he was also uh, done that as well. But it's like, you, you crazy? We were supposed to, you know, supposed to be a Christian nation, you know, swearing on the Bible. But it's like, w- w- what's going on here? And, and again, Islam has invaded our government, uh, our court system, everything. But, but let me give you this one. This one is really, to me, extremely concerning. Uh, Islamic groups, which would include the Muslim Brotherhood, there's another big group out there called CARE, C-A-I-R is the acronym, and it stands for the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Okay? They have penetrated the highest levels, folks, of our government. Okay, Now, I don't think it's been too hard for them because of our current president. is clearly showing favoritism. But listen to some of the positions we have Muslim advisors. Listen to this. Okay, The White House now has a White House Muslim advisor who has counterpart Muslim advisors at the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, whose senior fellow, Mohammed Elabieri, recently declared on a Twitter statement that USA, he believes, is a, quote, Islamic country. I'm not making this up. Now, now again, let's, let's, do, let's do the uh, uh, analogy here. You know, you brought up earlier communism, uh, and I, I think that that's, uh, uh, will be a fair uh, comparison. I'll, I'll even use, uh, you know, again, during World War II, the Nazis. What if we were to say this is what happened during World War II? The news came out. You know, they announced this on the news. Uh, attention, American people. Uh, we've just found out that uh, the Nazi Party has penetrated the highest levels of the U.S. government. The White House now has, this is during World War II, the White House now has a Nazi uh, advisor, and there's also a Nazi advisor in the U.S. Department of Justice, and there's Nazi advisors in the FBI. Of course, they didn't have the Department of Homeland Security, but let's just throw in the CIA. How would that sound? Oh, and by the way, we have a uh, person in the government who's saying that we are now a Nazi country. How would that fly with the American people? 
Folks, that's what's going on right now. Yeah, it is going on right now in our country. It's like, nobody's talking about this? Are you crazy? It's a setup, folks. It's a complete setup. And again, Jesus said in the last days, deceit, 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 man. It's going to be so powerful. People are going to be snookered right and left. In fact, if you're not careful, even the elect are going to fall for this baloney. Okay, and on and on it goes, folks. And, and clear favoritism are being shown to 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 Muslims at the expense of other people. You know, we, it just and, and oh, oh I, I got to share this. There's an actual practice, you know, because people said this. They'll say, "Well, I talked to a Muslim guy or person or whatever," and they said, "Oh no, I would never do anything of that nature. Um, not me. I will always support." The United States laws and are you folks check this out? I'm not making this up. There is an actual practice in the Muslim community, and it's called I, I don't know if this is the correct pronunciation, but I'll spell it for you. I, I just pronounce it Takiyah. It's T A Q I Y Y A. I'll spell it again T A Q I Y Y A. Now, Muslims basically what that is 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 called Islamic deception, and Muslims are taught it is perfectly fine to deceive the kafar, which is you and I, the non-Muslim, okay, about their true beliefs in order to defend the cause of Islam and jihad, okay? So, which means, let me translate that for you, they are encouraged lie to somebody's face, lie on TV, lie through their teeth, and it's perfectly fine as long as it's advancing the cause of Islam and jihad. This is an actual practice. I'm not making this up. Okay, this is what's going on. So when you talk to people or you see the talking heads, oh, you know, they always pit one against the other. Oh, well, we have these Islamic terrorists, and at least they're going to admit what they're doing. And then you get some guy up there, oh, no, real Islam doesn't. You're, you're lying. You're either a fake Muslim or you're lying. You're practicing taqiyah. Sixty percent of the Quran contains verses about killing the non-Muslim folks and forcing them to live under their form of law. This is the fact. And since 9-11, listen to this, Muslims have committed over 23,000 acts of terror. 90% of all terrorist acts are committed by Muslims. Okay? And here we are, bending over backwards, letting them in, when their intended agenda, according to their own so-called holy book, is to destroy us and bring about world domination and submission to Allah. Okay? And then we, we entertain Muslims going on TV trying to tell us that, oh, no, they're, they're not terrorists. And they would never do this. And, and they would always adhere by the Constitution or laws. And <laughs> folks were being lied to. The actual deceit, okay, that Jesus warned about, this deceit is a practice in Islam. It's crazy, and people have no idea. No, you're exactly right. People don't have any idea. They think it is um, a patriotic duty. They think it is out of compassion. And they want to be, you know, uh, tolerant, so to speak. Uh, and they say, you know, this is a, a good thing. And even the Pope had come out and said, the Arab invasion is a good thing for Europe. <laughs> right after that, we had terror attacks in, in Paris and then in, in uh, the most recent one uh, in, in Brussels. And to see the Pope, <clears throat> I mean, he's made a lot of off-the-wall the comments uh, in his tenure so far. But to embrace this, uh, I find very troubling. And it just shows the level of uh, how far up the chain the agenda goes. Oh, you know, absolutely. It, 
if I can just add to this, um, one of the uh, one of the more verbose and uh, extremely well recognized experts on uh, the Islamization of America. In fact, uh, wrote a, he wrote a book of that title, Abdullah El Arabi. Uh, devotes an entire chapter to which you spoke about with respect to the principle of uh, takia, which means prevention or guarding against. And that principle uh, conveys the understanding, as just as you said so, that Muslims are permitted to lie as a preventative measure to guard against anticipated harm to oneself or to, or to fellow Muslims. And it gives them the right to lie under any circumstances where they can advance the agenda of Islam for the purpose of conquering a nation, and they and they and he cites passages in the Quran, Surah three twenty eight. Now, people might be listening to this and saying, "Oh, we know this. We we know all this." Well, if 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 you know this, then why aren't we know? Why don't you fight back? Why, why isn't there a pushback? Why, you know, why allow uh, us to be steamrolled over? But, so it's imperative that we must understand that leaders, Muslim leaders, can use this this religious loophole. Which, by the way, I I don't. I was looking for that uh, lying loophole in, in our holy Bible. Didn't find it. Uh, hmm. Anyway, uh, but uh, you know. They can use this lying loophole to absolve themselves from any permanent commitment. Um, so, you know, it's uh, when dealing with Muslims, what they say is not the issue. The real issue is what they actually mean in their hearts. Think about that. Wow. All right. Well, you know, so, another thing that they're, if I can interject that, that they're lying about is, uh, again, I, I keep telling people uh, ISIS isn't the problem. Um, it's Islam. And it's not that it's coming here to America. It's already here. Folks, it is a powder keg waiting to blow. Okay, and again, I have my theory as to why you created Christ, you can manage the outcome. But it's worse than people could ever dream. The Islamization is, has been in high gear for quite some time. In fact, in our research, uh, we came across that our government knows that there are Islamic compounds throughout the United States. Uh, and, and these aren't just compounds. These are, and let me quote, underground bunkered paramilitary Islamic compounds in the United States of America. Okay, and uh, there, and this is what we came across. There's at least 35 such compounds in the United States uh, across 22 states. And and I'm a, I don't think you know, my my brain, you know, with experience, was okay. If you're going to release that to the public, what's really out there, right? Exactly. It's already here. It's already here, just waiting to go off. And we are being absolutely deceived. Now, again, they say, well, you know, again, uh, I think that, you know, um, Muslims here in America, you know, they're going to help put it. Are, are you kidding, folks? This is another big topic, right? And a lot of people are facing the heat for, right? They say, well, if you're, if you don't believe that, uh, Muslim, about this jihad and this horrible, then when you find these people hanging out in your community, turn them in. But guess what they don't do? They don't turn them in. You know why? Because they believe the same thing, right? Let me let me share this stat with you. Fifty-eight percent of Muslims in the United States of America, fifty-eight percent say criticism of Islam or Muhammad should not be protected under free speech. What? That doesn't sound like you're you're coming over here and assimilating into the American culture. <laughs> not at all. Right? Forty-five percent of American Muslims right now believe mockers of Islam should face criminal charges. Well, what, what, what's the criminal charge? Well, what's the criminal charge according to Sharia law? You die. That's almost half of the Muslims, at least who would admit, who's not doing taqiyya, okay, admit that this is what you want in the United States of America. And again, you had mentioned the Pope, 
I mean, we exposed this one. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Remember when uh, Trump mentioned about the the wall and stuff, and the Pope came out and said, you know, the wall is bad. That's not being Christian, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we went out, and I shared this with the congregation. Uh, we got a satellite uh, photograph of Vatican City. And do you know what is surrounding Vatican City? A huge wall with the most restrictive yeah. immigration policy to boot. Isn't that absolutely crazy? People go nuts, and it's like, you, are you Sid? That's totally hypocrisy. And, and you're right; it ain't just a wall. This thing's a huge, massive thing. We show pictures of that too. It's crazy, folks. But I'm telling you, it's a powder cake waiting to happen. What you're seeing in Europe could happen at any moment here in the United States, folks. Oh, and by the way, again, a lot of it is happening. It's just the media is covering it up. So it's much more further than people think. But again, we begin to expose what's really going on. Uh, in, in Europe with the Muslim and the immigration issue, okay? But again, the people over there, the Muslims, when they go to, it isn't just the United States, when they go to Europe, pick a country, Germany, Sweden, uh, the UK, whatever, they are not going to submit to that country's rules. And it's the same thing here. They want to bring about Sharia law. They want to bring about all people on the planet to submit to the will of Allah. That's what they're there for. And one of their, if they can't get you through penetrating the government or the school system or the media or your court system, they will, they will take over by sheer numbers. And that's another thing that we expose. The birth rate of the Islamic communities is far out, uh, pacing anything like eight to one, basically, roughly, uh, to other entities. Because of the birth rate, because over here we're told that, you know, kids are bad, don't have kids, kids, anti-kids, no kids, no kids. Man, they're having kids right and left. So just given a generation or two, even if they didn't want to penetrate the government and the school system and the media, which they are, okay, they're going to take over by sheer numbers in a very short amount of time. It's all a, a planned attack, folks, okay? In fact, let me share with you some other uh, uh, polling data. Uh, a poll, 81% of respondents from an Al Jazeera poll recently approved of the behavior of ISIS. These are from Muslims, folks. Okay? And uh, on and on it goes. Uh, that these people, they want ISIS, they want Sharia law, and, uh, and these are people, uh, e e again, even in our own country. But again, what, do, what happens to your country when this gets uh, imposed? Most people don't uh, talk about that. You know, I mentioned about the rape epidemic. Folks, that is a real issue. But not only that, uh, economically, it is destroying countries economically. Okay, let me, let me give you some statistics uh, on uh, welfare. What happens when you, you, a lot of these immigrants come in? 91.4% of Middle Eastern refugees, okay, receive food stamps. 73.1% were on Medicaid, okay, and 68.3% were on cash welfare, okay? Now, there's a system here, and these guys are abusing it. In Canada, listen to what's going on in Canada with the, the Muslim immigrants, okay? This was brought out by the Toronto Sun, okay? Hundreds of greater Toronto area Muslim men in polygamous marriages, yes, some with a harem of wives, are receiving welfare and social benefits for each of their spouses thanks to the city and province. So these guys are not only committing polygamy, okay, in the country, but every single one of their wives is on welfare, and these guys are sitting back raking in the dough, not doing anything, okay? In the Netherlands, 50 to 70% of Muslim asylum seekers are permanently, permanently on welfare, Okay. In fact, in Sweden, okay, approximately seven billion—not million, seven billion—every year has greatly is being spent on this issue and has greatly contributed to bringing the Swedish welfare state on the brink of bankruptcy. Okay. 
again, back to the issue of what else is going on that they're not talking about by and large in the media. Again, with the, the, the rape and the sexual assaults, et cetera, that's going on. And again, where are the, uh, the, the, the feminist groups on this issue? Why aren't you speaking on this? Because when the Muslim men do these crimes to women and rape them, okay, you know what their excuse is? Well, it's their fault because they dress that way. Where are the feminists crying out on this? Are you kidding me? Folks, this is, and this is really what's going on. In certain places in the UK, they're actually gathering up hundreds of girls into basically harems, and they're turning them into sex slaves, and this is happening in the UK. Okay? How come we don't ever hear about that? We're, again, where's all the, the feminists? How come people aren't talking about this? Sex crimes over and over and over again. And again, we even share this on tape. We even actually shared some news clips from Sweden because you're going, are you serious? One out of every four is going to be raped? Yeah. Okay? It's a catastrophic effect, okay, that's happening over there. And, and again, we share the actual news clips because it sounds like, you've got to be kidding me. Is that really going on? And again, we are fooling ourselves, folks, if we think, that this is not going to happen here in America. Now, again, we already document these even rape cases, okay, are happening here in the United States, okay, but again, they're trying to keep a hush-hush on it. Over and over again, these guys are not coming here, okay, to assimilate to our culture. They're coming over to take over our culture, and they will lie, they will do whatever they got to do uh, to get the job done. And until we deal with that issue, that's why I keep saying this, ISIS is not the problem Islam is. And until we deal with it at the root, folks, we are in a heap of trouble. Absolutely. How yeah. soon, how soon, Pastor, before before here in America that we will not be able to have conversations like this because it will be against the law? Uh, how soon do you think? Well, it could happen, frankly, at any time. And I think one of the big things, uh, and I've been warning the church, uh, uh, certainly here at Sunrise, but you know, through the media as well, uh, for a long time, I think one of the biggest things outside this issue, there's two two issues I think that is going to come down on the Christian community to basically silence the pulpit, at least the pulpit that preaches the truth, uh, God's truth, uh, and, and or the Christian, because it's not just Christian pastors they're going to come down on. Uh, it's going to be any Christian. And that's that issue, if you guys are familiar with, obviously, with the hate crime, right? What's considered a hate crime now? There's two big things that the world hates, and they're now considering a crime. Number one is you have the audacity to say that homosexuality is wrong. That's a hate crime now. Okay. Number two, you have the audacity to say that Jesus is the only way to, excuse me, to heaven. They can't stand it. So those two issues, and certainly that comes up with this Islam issue, when you try to expose what Islam really is, what do they do? Oh, they go nuts, right, in the media. Oh, how could you be so intolerant to it? Who do you think you are that to dishonor somebody's path to heaven? There are peaceful people, and this is the kind of thing that causes wars. Don't you know that religion is the main cause of war? Folks, that's a lie from the pit of hell. We actually demonstrated that. Another researcher, Carl Tyker from Canada, he exposed this, and we shared this, too, in our final countdown study. We Doing the research, you know what the major cause of war is? It ain't religion. That's a lie. When, you know what the facts are? It's Money. politics. Money, politics, greed, government. It's not religion, okay? But but that's being used as an excuse. Oh, how could you speak against that other religion? Don't you know all religions got to get along? If all religions can get along, and this is their excuse to build the one world religion the Bible said would come on the scene in the last days, then we could all have peace on the planet. But, oh, look at you. You're saying something bad about Islam or whoever, and that's a hate crime. 
So that's number one. Number two, again, back to the homosexual issue. And, and it's now gone into turbo mode because of the Supreme Court decision, right? How dare you say that this is wrong? And again, to, to dovetail off of that, that's why when that issue went down here in Vegas, we uh, did a study called A Christian's Response to the Supreme Court Decision, a four-part study. If anything, get it for the fourth study. The fourth study is an apologetic study. I put put together 15 accusations railed against you and I as the Christian uh, from that community and from the press that we are being homophobic, we're being hateful, we're intolerant, we're bigots, you know, and then, hey, if two people love one another, what's the big deal? We're not hurting anybody, on and on and on and on it goes. If anything, get that last study to get equipped how to lovingly, biblically, philosophically, logically answer truthfully all those accusations railed against us, because every basic one of those accusations railed against us is basically keep your mouth shut. And folks, here in America right now, that's the last thing we need to do. We, we need people who have a spiritual backbone who will speak up and tell the truth. Why? Because the truth is what sets people free, right? And it's the same Absolutely. thing, even with Islam. I, I, I got to share this because I don't want to come across as like, I, you know, uh, I'm missing the solution. And, and, and this may sound kind of crass, but bear with me. Do you want to keep somebody from keeping your head, from chopping your head off? Do you want to keep somebody from raping you? Do you want to keep somebody from doing some horrible thing to you and or your country? Share the gospel with them. Because true born again Christians don't do that. We need to reach out to the Muslim community. We need to reach out to the media. We need to reach out to anybody we can get our hands on. And we need to get busy speaking up in love the truth, including the truth about the gospel, and engage our culture if there's any hope. But keeping your mouth shut, I'm in fact, when, that is not an option. Okay. In fact, I remember when I was going into this study, and I, I was now saying, hey, in a couple of weeks, uh, Lord Wilmer, looks like we're going to start getting into the topic of Islam. And there were people saying, hey, you sure you want to do that? And, you know, was, you know, they might come after you. I was like, listen, this is why we're in this mess, because people are keeping silent, right? Mm -hmm. And people say, hey, don't you know that they're aware of, you know, what's going on? It's like, well, read your Bible, Christian, right? Man is not the one who's going to take this life. Job 14.5, read it and go to sleep. It says this, God has determined the length of your lives, and we are not given a minute longer. Man does not take my life. When Jesus stood before Pilate, and Pilate said, hey, you, know, you better answer me. Don't you know I have the authority to take, excuse me, what did Jesus say? Excuse me, in, in the crone vernacular. Excuse me, pal? You have no authority over me other than what my father uh, you know, allows, right? God is the one who's in charge. Now, he may use man to take me out, okay? I'm a, you know, and, and if it is, what's my reward? Praise God, I'm not going to hell by the blood and forgiveness and grace and, and work of Jesus Christ on the cross, okay? Uh, where am I going? I'm going to heaven. Okay, so, ooh, so threaten me with heaven. Ooh, okay? <laughs> you know, but as Christians, we need to get a backbone, right? We need to speak Amen. up. This is not a time to keep your mouth shut. And again, not just on, I want to win a debate and prove that Islam is a false religion. No, ultimately, it's a platform to let people know about Jesus. But we can't, because again, if you want, the best thing you could do for your family, the best thing you could do for your community and your country is start preaching Jesus Christ. And we don't need another political savior. There is no political savior that can save us. We need Jesus Christ. And until the church wakes up and realizes that, we're in even trouble, folks. And, you know, how many times does the church say, oh, we need revival, we pray for revival, pray? And I've you know, been saved now 23 years. 
Okay? Ever since I've been saved, I've been watching the American church, in my opinion, all due respect, pray backwards when it comes to revival. When the American church typically prays for revival today, they pray, if you will, their eyes closed, but their fingers are pointing outside the sanctuary four walls. God, bring revival to them. Read your Bible. The scripture says, if my people, not the world, if my people will humble themselves and pray, right? Seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. Then God will, revival is not for the world, it is for the church. And as Christians, we need to get serious in our walk with Jesus Christ, get serious about God's truth, begin to share that truth and back that truth up with a holy life. Guess what happens to your community? Revival breaks out. But until we get that and turn it around the correct direction, stop pointing your finger out there, start pointing your finger, Christian, at your own heart, and until we get right with God, nothing's going to change. Amen. <clears throat> Amen, Pastor. We have about 15 minutes left in closing. Um, at the Hear the Watchman conference, you put on a fantastic presentation, and had some some video clips and evidence of things that I haven't even seen pertaining to the rise of the drones, DARPA, the, I would say, what is described in Joel's army, um, the threats we are facing from this, the ever-increasing surveillance state. You have a great DVD on the Mark of the Beast, RFID, the Mark of the Beast. And um, if you could, in the last 15 minutes of the show, could you give a brief, brief synopsis of this technological uh, scientific dictatorship that we are uh, on the verge of, of being forced to become a part of or either being forced to become a part of or going to have to be in the wilderness. And that, that by the way, folks, visit uh, his website, Get a Life Ministries, but it's getalifemedia.com. Visit his website because that's your April special, right? For um, the attack of the drones. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So, okay, go ahead, sir. Yeah, well, on that topic in general, we have a couple other studies. We have uh, uh, 80 studies on Bible prophecy called the Final Countdown. Uh, there's the Final Countdown, the original, that's 50 studies, and there's another 30 on top of that for the total of 80 called the Final Countdown Update. And a chock full of news clips, all that stuff is kind of the same format as you guys saw in Dallas at the conference on the drone documentary. And uh, But the reason why I talk about that is because between in the Final Countdown study, both studies, we have eight uh, studies on Big Brother technology. We got one study, one whole DVD. It's just on Big Brother and your cell phone. Uh, check that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And that's all. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's crazy. And uh, but also, you talk about the Mark of the Beast and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, we have a documentary called RFID: Man's Greatest Invention and Mark of the Beast. But also, back to the Final Countdown study, we have uh, twelve studies just on the Mark of the Beast technology and how far that has progressed. But on the drone documentary, that was that was actually birthed out of when I was going through the Final Countdown update, and I had three stacks of research still left on my desk that I had left over that I hadn't even got to, and I needed to move on to another study. And at first I was kind of bummed out. I was like, man, when am I going to get to this? And the stuff that's just happening is going so fast, and this technology and what's going on. And and uh, and so uh, uh, Reed, a uh, uh, gentleman who uh, master editor and does all of our video work and everything else you can think of and distributor and everything, and he said, well, hey, why don't you just do a documentary? He's like, oh, I didn't think about that. And so, so that's how it turned into a documentary. And um, uh, 14 hours uh, on that, uh, just from that one stack of research, and 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 I had a lot, and I thought I knew a lot, but as I began to go down that rabbit trail, it got way creepier 
than I could ever dream. I mean, there was already a lot, but it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. Where does this stop? And even after finishing that documentary, which was not that long ago, uh, again, and 14 hours, 14 hours of exposing this, there's over, there's about 180 video clips from around the world exposing what's going on with this technology, folks. And and it, it was just absolutely crazy. It's still happening today. And uh, I'm cataloging even more stuff, even post the documentary. But basically, in a nutshell, folks, what they're building is the Skynet scenario. I'm not making this up. And that would even include the Terminator robots. Yep. I, I'm not making this up. You showed video of that. Yeah, and that's from Boston Dynamics, okay? And and that was their latest version. And again, the general rule is this. If that's what you release to the public, and they just came out with that the clip I showed in Dallas, that was hot off the press. If that's what you're going to show and release to the public, we're at least a good 30 years, if not more, behind the actual technology. So what do you really got out there? Okay? But again, it's literally a true Skynet scenario. Drones are everywhere. Drones, and, and these are the military uh, uh, around the world. It's not just the United States. They are they got drones of all kinds of shapes and sizes. There's drones in the air. There's drones on the ground. There's drones on the water. There's drones under the water. There is no place you're going to be able to hide. And it's at the same time being combined with artificial intelligence. They've been working for years, folks. DARPA's been working for years on what's called neuromorphic uh, chips. They're brain chips that mimic the human brain. And these things are what's now controlling on a global basis this drone technology, including the Terminator robots technology, and they're arming these things. And then what people don't realize is, hey, well, you know, if I see a drone flying in the sky or coming at me on the water or on the ground, I will just run and hide. No, you won't, because the other thing they're doing with drones is they're mimicking nature. And they're making them miniaturized. They're called MAVs, micro area vehicles. Okay, and and they're they're mimicking nature. And we share actual video clips. See, you you thought that was a cheetah? That's not a cheetah. That's a you, you thought that was a shark? No, that's not a shark. You thought that was a fly? No, that's not a fly. A bird? A lizard? Uh, how about an octopus? A squid? No. How about a lobster crawling on the bottom of the ocean floor? No. Every single one of those. I'm not. Oh, beetles? Uh, spiders? Folks, I kid you not, everyone that I just, and that's not all of them, everyone I just announced, those are actual drones. And even the ones down to the fly level, this is from an Air Force clip, and we share this again on the documentary, uh, is actually carries a payload. So there's no place to hide. These things can fly in, no pun intended, fly in, and you think it's not a fly. That fly will take you out. Okay, you think it's a bird on a wire? That bird on the wire is monitoring you. In fact, it's been sitting there for two weeks watching you. Oh, and it operates by solar technology, so it can stay there forever. And Folks, it looks like nature. So the point is, you won't even recognize it as a drone when it's coming to you, right? And they're armed to the teeth. Okay, and again, uh, they're, they're miniaturized, and so you, won't even, you may not even be able to see it. Okay, and again, this is all being combined on a global basis, okay, and it's being controlled via artificial intelligence. And again, the premises I shared uh, at the Dallas conference was, I think this actually has a part to play in the last days with Bible prophecy. Because when you read the events during the seven-year tribulation, you see a couple of judgments. In the first half, in the sealed judgments, you see one-fourth of the planet being annihilated. Okay? Then in the second half, when you see the trumpet judgments, you see that another third of the earth. Now, if you do the math with current statistics, that's about half the planet just in those two judgments. Okay? Half the planet, folks, right, is going to be annihilated just in those two judgments. Now, that's not counting all the other atrocities, but if you just take those two, one half the planet is going to be annihilated. And dare I say, contextually, I think it's not going to be in a long, drawn-out uh, time frame. 
right? Uh, because again, and, and I don't think it's going to be nuclear warfare if you think about it. Because if if the the, the global war that breaks out in the, in the sealed judgments, the first half of the seven year tribulation, if the reason why people died, right, one fourth of the planet was nuclear uh, winter, you know, then then I don't think you could see the rest of the events unfold because you see mankind still moving forward and the Antichrist going up into the rebuilt Jewish temple. I mean, if, if there was a nuclear holocaust, you're done. So the the question then remains. Well, wait a second. If you're not going to use nuclear warfare, do we have the technology on the planet to annihilate half the planet in a relatively short amount of time? Folks, combine it with global artificial intelligence, tapping in to a universal system, a Skynet system, that controls drones in the air, on the ground, in the water, under the water, which, by the way, also come with swarm technology, so they work together and communicate with each other. Combine it with Terminator robots, all armed to the teeth, on the ground, Hollywood just became reality. I wish I was making this up. I got a wife. I got two young kids. I got two cool dogs. But folks, this is what's going on in our world today. And if, in fact, that's going to be a piece of the tool that the Antichrist is going to use during the seven-year tribulation, we don't know the day nor the hour, but folks, we better get motivated. Amen to that. You're absolutely right. (laughs) And I I just want to say this. I mentioned, uh, I said Thomas Jefferson was sworn in on a corona. Uh, apparently, I was not correct on that. I have to do some further research because I have conflicting reports here. But yeah, he did own a Quran. As a matter of fact, Keith Ellison, uh, Snopes, Snopes, since you brought up Snopes, by the way, and I know we're going backwards, uh, says uh, Keith Ellison was not sworn in on a Quran. Well, yeah, you might be technically accurate, but, uh, practically not so much. So, uh, but, but having said that, yeah, thanks for. That clarification. And thanks to the emailers who yeah, thanks, Bill. made that. All right. All right. We have uh, just a few minutes left, Pastor. Um, you want to tell the audience where you're going to be having uh, upcoming interviews, uh, upcoming appearances? And I know that, yeah, that actually, can be found on your website. Yeah, actually, if you just go to uh, our website there, getlifemedia.com, and scroll down there on the front page, uh, you're going to have an itinerary. Uh, here soon, we're going to be heading, Lord One, to uh, New Jersey. Uh, for the folks on the East Coast, if you're in the area. Uh, then after that, we're going to be in uh, Colorado Springs, Lord willing. Uh, and uh, after that, uh, Lord willing, will be in uh, Scotland. And uh, Scotland? Yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, apparently those people need to know the gospel, too. So uh, sometimes okay. you get uh, Fargo, sometimes you get Scotland. I don't know what you're going to do. So, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Wow. So, but there, and then uh, 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 Gettysburg, probably going back to Gettysburg. That's always a treat uh, to be able to speak God's truth in such a place, Gettysburg, huh? And wow. uh, and uh, so, and then we're booking into uh, Lord One for still alive and still here. Uh, we're already booking into uh, 2017. Got a couple of things lined up in Canada again. So, oh wow, you know, and this is why we need to support. Pastor Billy Crone. I mean, look at what he's doing. Look at his ministry. Look at who he's helping. Look at how he's traveling. God bless you, uh, Pastor. I mean, really, you really are on the front lines, actually on the front lines. And it's so great to, uh, it, it's just so great to, to, to be able to, to be a part of the revival that you're promoting, that you're causing, that you're facilitating. And it's just, uh, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And, uh, well, thank man. you guys, and you know, you know the glory certainly goes to the Lord. I just, uh, you know, Sunday I um, uh, was saved uh, 23 years ago on Easter Resurrection Sunday, 1993, and so I shared my testimony again. 
And it's always a special time for me, Resurrection Day, not only to honor the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but that's when I was raised from the dead, too, spiritually. And it's always a treat for me. But, hey, I remember where I came from, man. I, I, I'm just a mm-hmm. scourge of society, a 1980s ex-headbanger, drug addict, sexual moral, male show, big guy, in, <laughs> involved in the occult and New Age, and I hated Christians and Christianity. I was the biggest skeptic of, you know, there was. And, but that's why, you know, when you're under that lie, and I, I saw the fruit of it, you know, with demonic activity, and it was horrid, right? But when you come, as the Scripture says, when God rescues you from the, the, the kingdom of darkness and brings you into uh, the kingdom of light, uh, His Son, Jesus Christ, it's like, man, the truth. <laughs> truth is what people need, right? It's the deception, the darkness that, that's killing everything. And, uh, and it's just, as Christians, that w- that's what we're supposed to be about. The truth will set people free, uh, not only certainly in salvation through Jesus Christ uh, as the truth, but also we need truth today uh, as the antidote to all the lies, all the deceit. You know, I, I was the first guy on the front lines there back in the day. I would sit there and say, you know, hey, the Bible, you know, it's a, Christians are a bunch of you know idiots, uh, intellectually inept, uh, had to have a book tell them what to do, and that, that book will just brainwash you, and that's all the preachers want is your money. You know, I was, I was that guy. Right wow. now, the irony was I would make all these claims uh, against the Bible that it was full of errors and contradictions, but I was the real hypocrite because did I ever investigate? Did I ever read the Bible? No. And the whole time I had this intellectual bravado, like this is my own intelligence uh, thinking and synopsis, and I've come to this conclusion on my own with my own intelligence. No, I wasn't. I was parodying what the media and the secular education was telling me to think about Christianity uh, to keep me from investigating the claims of Christianity. Get in there, find out what real Christianity is all about. And unfortunately, in these days, mm, oftentimes you can't even find it in the church. But you know what? Get into the Bible. The real Jesus, he'll never lie to you. He is the truth. And uh, he loves you. And no matter what you've done, I've been there, done that. He's willing to forgive you, to cleanse you from all sin, and give you the polar opposite of what you deserve. He'll take you from a road headed to hell like I was. And by his graciousness and goodness, he'll take you to heaven. And before you get there, he'll do something splendid with you if you would just surrender all to him. And he'll use you to lead many souls to him. There's no greater joy than leading people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Absolutely true. Boy, we've been so blessed to have you, Pastor. Pastor Billy Crone, getalifemedia.com. Get a life media uh, and get a life uh, ministry. Wow. I almost said miniseries. Get a life ministries dot get a life media dot com. You thank you. Get a life media dot com. Get a life ministries inc. Right, but yeah, Pastor, it has been great. It was so wonderful to see you and talk with you at the Hear the Watchman conference. I hope we have the opportunity in the future to to meet in person again and sit down and have a cup of coffee. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the show at any time and uh, keep up your your uh, good work. And God bless you. God bless you. Thank you guys for, again, having me. Thank you, sir. Anytime. All right. Folks, that was Pastor Billy Crone. Uh, again, Get a Life Media. Well, you know what? Getalifemedia.net is the accurate. Um, is it? Yeah. Um, but I, I, no, I apologize for that. Getalifemedia.net. Um, but uh, anyway, it, what a great what a great interview. And we're, we're going to have a link up to his website as well. So uh, there won't be any uh any many issues? Um, yeah, well, just so much information tonight, folks. Just so much information. It, it, send him a note of thanks for his gift of time too. If you, and it is good to leave, so. get a life media dot com. 
Okay. But there might be a .net .dot site net. also. Enjoy, sign up for his newsletter. It's on the uh-huh. left-hand side of the top. And check out his church services, streaming live, Sunday, 10.45 a.m., Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks, folks, for joining us. God bless you. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.